0: Welcome to episode 36 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on June 13th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show. With me, again, as always, Corey Motley, staff writer at game Critics. How are you living, Corey?
1: Hello, Brad. I'm doing pretty well. I'm tired from E3 stuff, which is sad because I'm not even there, but uh, I'm doing all right. That's pretty amazing. That must be uh, like some kind of long
0: distance wearing out is going on with you here. Like, are you just, are you like glued to the streams? Are you imagining that you're the show? What's going on? How can you be so tired?
1: Well, because I mean, obviously, E3 over three days or so, there's like a shitload of information that gets like pumped out, and like, among like trying to watch conferences, which I didn't watch. I mean, I watched, I didn't watch every conference, but I watched like highlights online and trying to watch like YouTube trailers for games that I'm really interested in and like browsing Twitter. Cause Twitter is like insane during E3. Cause I follow like more than a thousand people on Twitter and it's basically like everybody tweeting like an impression and, and, or an opinion about, everything like every three seconds and if you have like that times a thousand it's just like super exhausting but uh I mean I guess I can't really complain that much because I get to sit on my couch in the comfort of my own home and watch conferences on my phone or on my computer and you know don't actually have to like brave the crowds or anything I was saying about this earlier that um you know like I feel like in you know sort of our generation like uh, the, the idea of going to E3 was something that I always dreamt about as a kid, like, or as like maybe like a teenager and like a young adult where like, I, I like, it was like, if you made it to E3, you could make it anywhere. And, you know, I always wanted to go and I would like write like blog contests online for different outlets to try to get like picked, to get sent to E3 and stuff like that. And I never went, which, you know, I was really sad about for a long time when I was in college. Like, you know, I was like in journalism school and I wanted to go to E3 and that was like the big thing. But like now you would literally like have to pay me to go to E3. Like I am so glad that I don't have to go there. And now that it's open to the public, that the actual expo part of it is open to the public. Like I saw so many tweets today that were just like, shots of like the gigantic crowds and how like it's really full and you have to wait in line for hours to play games and I get that it's awesome for people in the industry because they like it might be like the one time of year that they get to all meet up in one place and see each other and you know go to go to clubs or party or you know do uh, reports together or work together or whatever but goddamn like you would literally have to pay me to go to that now. And it's just funny how like in just a few years and without it ever having been to E3, I already became like jaded on E3. It just seems like such a fucking mess. And I wouldn't not want to go there, honestly. That is hilarious because I
0: was actually planning to ask you about that and you totally beat me to it. So
1: (laughs) um, I guess I already
0: have my answers, but it's funny because I very similar to you when I was younger and back in the day when like your only way of getting game news was like going to the grocery store and like buying an EGM or, uh, uh, you know, what was it? Hardcore Gamer that was out. And what else? Like Game Pro, all those magazines, like, you know, back in the day, like that's all you had. Like there was, I mean, there, I didn't get a computer until I was like 16 or 17, maybe a little bit later. So there was quite a long time when I did not have internet and, you know, iPhones weren't even invented back then and that kind of thing. So Back in the day, uh, whenever E3 would roll around, the magazines uh, would get like three times as thick. And I remember like being so excited, like, oh, my God, it's E3 issue. And, like, the magazines are like, it's like a phone book. Oh, I'm going to check out all these games. And you get like one screenshot and like half a paragraph for each game or something. <laughs> and like, that's all you would have. And you'd be like, oh, my God, this is the best. Look at all these games. And like, it was just fantastic. And, and just like you, I often thought about like, oh, my God, I, I got to go to E3. I want to go to E3 so bad. And luckily, I actually did get to go. I've been several times, so it was really nice to go. And it is busy. It is crowded. Even before they opened it up to the public, it was really crowded and noisy and everything that you have heard. But at the same time, it was really kind of awesome because uh, just to be in a place that has so many games in one place where everybody in there likes games, well, you know, ostensibly anyway, Everybody cares about games, everybody wants to talk about games. like you're not looked down on for liking games. and you know, um, you know, I'm not that much older than you, but I am older than you. and like, you know, when I was coming up, it wasn't exactly as cool as it was to like games back in the day. like I mean, you were kind of looked at as a fucking nerd. so to go to someplace <laughs> where nobody thought you were a nerd for liking games was pretty fucking awesome. So I'm really glad that I got to go and I know that a lot of people are jaded and for good reason. I mean, I, I get that for sure. like, But for me, I always have really enjoyed it. I just like being part of that crowd and seeing people and seeing some, you know, know, friendly faces and people that I've met on email and on Twitter. Always really good. But I have to, you know, be honest. um, I don't like L.A. very much at all. I think L.A. is, uh, you know, I don't want to say anything really bad about L.A. I know a lot of people (laughs) who live in L.A. that are good people. But I remember the first time I went to L.A. and I was shocked. I was like, what the fuck is this city? Like everything had like these steel shutters that goes down over the front of the stores. There's barbed wire everywhere, like just these concrete like canyons where like nothing's going on. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is looks like a fucking war zone down here. Like what the (laughs) hell is going on? It really blew my mind. And it was just really strange. Um, And I have a couple of really funny stories. Uh, I don't know that they're appropriate to share, but, you know, when I was down there, that uh, for my first E3. That was when I met a lot of the game critics staff in person for the first time, and so that was a really good memory. Also, so I really do like the the feeling of going to an expo like that. I think it's really great. I think everybody should try it at least once. But you know, uh, PAX West is like ten minutes from my house uh, in Seattle, and PAX West has grown and grown and grown. And honestly, I feel like it's you know it's not quite as big as E3, and we don't get the publisher press conferences, but for all intents and purposes, it's basically the same thing as E3. So I go to it here in Seattle, 10 minutes away, I can come back home, sleep in my own bed, see my family. And I honestly haven't been to E3 in many years, um, primarily because PAX West is so close. But also, as I've gotten older, I noticed that I like to travel less and less because I don't like to be away from my family. I, my family's awesome. I love my wife. My wife is the best. My son... Uh, who lives with me is the best. My other son is the best too, but he doesn't live with me. So that's a different situation. But (laughs) I just, I love my family so much. And like, I just, I hate being away from them and I just, I just don't like it. So even though I love games so much, I have not been back to E3 because I just don't like to be away. But I do recommend it for everybody at least once. Just try it once and just see, you know, it may be overkill. It may be not your thing. It may be sensory overload, but I think everybody should try it once. I'm glad it went Um, I don't imagine that I probably will ever go again, but uh, I have PAX West instead, and that's just the same thing, and it fills that need. But uh, yeah, I like them. I like them just fine. Um, And I got to say, I I always kind of wonder about the critics that go to E3, and all they do is bitch. Like, it's like, if you don't want to go to E3, like, don't go. And I know that some of these guys and girls uh, go because they're on assignment, and so maybe they have to go for their job. And so, okay. I mean, I get that. You know, maybe you don't want to go to this thing for whatever reason, but it's like games, you know. And I realize it's hard work. I know how hard it is, but it always kind of makes me a little sour to see people who just go to E3 and all they do is bitch and moan. And I don't want to be here and this sucks and this and that. I mean, that's like a dream for a lot of people that that never gets realized. And so for those folks to kind of like, you know, kind of piss all over it, kind of bums me out. So I, I don't really subscribe to that. I think if you go, you should enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, don't go. But. Anyway, that's another topic for another day. Um, And listeners, regular listeners, you may have guessed we're not really doing our regular show tonight. We've kind of gotten off on the E3 track. Yeah, I guess the cat's out of the bag. You may have guessed this is our E3 episode because (laughs) E3 is happening right now as we're recording. Oh, my God. Literally right now.
1: Literally Um, right now.
0: Literally right now. And in fact, by the time you listen to this, probably still going on. I think
1: it's going to be happening. Uh, we are not at E3. Are you, You're you not at E3, are you, Corey? No, I'm sitting in New Orleans right now on my desk, unfortunately. Okay,
0: and I'm in the Game Critics West recording studio, so I am not at E3. We Neither of us is at E3, but as you so astutely uh, called out, Corey, we can watch streams, we can watch videos, we're keeping up on all the news, and tonight's show is all about E3. Uh, we're still going to get the ball rolling with our traditional few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game-related. Although I guess we kind of did a pre-banter banter, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all about E3 tonight, and we're going to get right to it. we got a lot to talk about. But first, let's do the banter that people love so much. Um, and if you are one of those people who does not care for the uh, banter, hello, Final Max Storm. Uh, we have timestamps listed in the show info, so you can skip ahead and just get straight to the game's chat. So I talked for like a million years right there. Corey, why don't you do your banter first? What you got on tap this week?
1: Well, uh, I, so, okay. A couple weeks ago, I think this was like one or two or three weeks ago, we were talking about, um, about, uh, like how, uh, how you and I like act on other people and how like you know, we're not very talkative and we're kind of introverts and that kind of stuff. Do you remember having this discussion, Brad?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay, good, good. I'm gonna, uh, I kind of wanna dive on a different facet of this, um, of, of that discussion, because I noticed something the other night. Um, last week, or I, I think it was like Tuesday night, um, I met, I went out with uh, Patrick and I went out with one of his coworkers named Weston, who I have not met, but uh, Weston is in the same role as Patrick is in his job at the plant here. And, um, and th- which is funny because like Patrick works so much that I literally think that he and Weston see each other more than I see Patrick, which is fine. Cause I am the last person that is like, you know, one of those like clingy relationship types that like needs to see my partner like all the time and every day and like hang all over them. Um, I think like, Oversaturated affection is actually irritating, in my opinion. Um, But that's not what I'm talking about here. So we went out to dinner and a movie, uh, Patrick and Weston and I, and I got to meet Weston for the first time. And he's, like, a little bit younger than us. He's maybe, like, 25, I think. Um, And we went to go see Wonder Woman, which was excellent. I highly recommend it. Um, But that's also not the point of the story. But I realized something about myself whenever I went out to dinner with Patrick and Weston, and that is... I probably, if, if anybody has ever met me for the first time, um, there is a very good chance that I come across very boring and, and it's probably because, um, I I realize that I fall into a pattern sometimes whenever I meet new people. And that is that, um, and, and what, what I'm about to say is not supposed to be like a guilt trip, Brad, for you to come in and be like, oh no, 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 that's not true. Like, I'm just saying this because this is what I believe is factually true and uh, and where I'm going, where when I meet somebody for the first time, I tend in general to believe that I'm not a very interesting person. And I'm not saying that for you to you know say that I am. I, I don't think I'm that interesting. I, I, I literally like play video games a lot and I talk about video games on a podcast and I take pictures of people and I, I don't think I'm that interesting of a person just like as like a baseline judgment. So, And I'm also not a person who likes to talk about myself a lot, which is funny because here I am talking about myself a lot on a podcast, but um, I'm not one of those people who likes to talk about myself unless, like, somebody asks me a specific question or unless, like, you know, I know you really well, or maybe like I've had a few beers or something like that. And I'm like more talkative, but in general, when I meet somebody, I don't think I'm interesting. So I don't talk about myself very much. And I also don't answer questions like super duper thoroughly because I'm not really a self-promoting kind of person. Like I don't, uh, cause I think it's irritating when people like think that they're really interesting and I don't think I'm interesting. So whenever I went out uh, to dinner in a movie with Patrick and Weston, I didn't really say a whole lot. And, like, whenever Weston would ask me questions, I just gave him, like, you know, like, maybe, like, a paragraph's worth of an answer, if that. And I, like, in that situation, I think I come off as both boring and rude. And, like, I'm not trying to be, (laughs) but I just, like, don't, I don't really like talking about myself all that much. And I don't think that I'm interesting, so I just don't really, like, like, I don't want to be that guy that's sitting at the dinner table that just, like, goes on and on about, like, my life and what I do and blah, 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 because, like... I don't think it's really even worth, like, talking about. Um, So I don't know. Like, I guess I don't really have a big point to the story, but I just kind of wanted to, like, brainstorm some stuff about, like, the way that I act and the way that I am around new people, like, more often than not. And just wanted to, like, bounce those thoughts off of you and see what you thought, Brad.
0: Huh. Uh, okay. I did not see this coming in your banter. Was not prepared for, uh, (laughs) was not prepared to rate my co-host tonight. (laughs) No, no, no. That's
1: not what I mean. I just wonder, like, do you do this kind of thing? Or like, what do you think about like people that talk about themselves a lot versus people who don't or people who like are boring or maybe they're not boring, but they're not, they don't like talking about themselves or just like stuff like that. I'm, I guess I'm just trying to use this as a really, as a jumping out point for like a small discussion about this kind of thing.
0: Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, I guess it depends. I mean, I think that whenever I meet someone, it's, it's hard to carry on a good and natural conversation with someone if you've just met them. I mean, I tend to be an introvert. I mean, we've covered this before. I'm very introverted, uh, despite the fact that my job uh, puts me in front of people all the time and I have to do a lot of public speaking and stuff. Uh, but I'm very, very introverted. And when I'm on my own time, I tend to be very quiet and I don't like to talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't like to be around people very much. Mm-hmm. And I tend not to talk about myself very much just because um, I think I am interesting. I'm, a, I'm very interesting, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I'm also humble, very humble. Uh, but I tend to find that a lot of people don't listen. And so I don't like to say something if someone's not listening because I hate to like, you know, go out of my way to say something, you know, maybe even personal or maybe something that I feel like is important or maybe i'm opening myself up a little bit and then if that person is just not really paying attention or half paying attention or they just use that as a springboard to go and talk more about themselves that's really like kind of a turn off and so i tend not to engage unless i know a person really well and i really know that they're going to be listening or that they're going to be um you know just engaging me on an equal level so you know you don't get that too often um i'm more of a person who has like you know two or three really close friends and that's it as opposed to somebody who like knows a bajillion people but none of those friendships are really deep so um, yeah I don't know I don't I don't find myself in that situation very much just because I don't go out and meet people very much in in a personal way like that I try to really avoid that um, but when I do um, when I do end up talking to people um, yeah I don't know I don't I don't volunteer a lot I tend to listen more than I talk because you tend to learn more that way and it kind of it lets people kind of you know show you what they're all about if you don't really say a whole lot. Um, and plus these days, God, there's so many topics that are just really sensitive that it becomes really hard sometimes to talk about things <laughs> unless, you know, ahead of time, exactly who that person is, you know, God forbid religion or politics or anything come up, you know, like it's, you know, this is, this is funny. Um, I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to name the podcast, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, a uh, big podcast fan. I was listening to one of my favorites. It's one of the podcasts that when this one, this one comes up in my feed, I will stop whatever other podcast I'm listening to and then listen to this one because I really like it a lot. And I thought I had a pretty good beat on these guys. And on the very most recent show, one of them said a joke that I thought was really racist and it really turned me off. And so, you know, that just kind of goes to show you never quite know like what somebody, who somebody is, unless you know them really, really well. And of course, a podcast person wouldn't qualify. Um, So whenever something like that comes up, like when you meet somebody or you know, like, uh, you make a political comment, like, oh, my God, that Trump, right? And if they seem to kind of like, oh, it's just really awkward. So I tend to not talk. um, And I kind of leave that door open for other people. So I don't know that really answered your question. uh, But I do share your reticence in kind of talking about myself as you don't talk much about yourself. I don't think that makes us boring, though. I think it just, it just makes us different.
1: Yeah, I think uh, when you said humble, that was definitely the right word for it. Because like, I I don't ever want to be the guy in the room who, like, brags about stuff that I do or is, like, you know, because, like, you know that I do, like, a lot of photography, and I, I never want to be that guy that's, like, oh, wow, look at all my great pictures. Aren't they great? Like, I totally, like, I post a lot of photography that I do on Twitter, but i am never, like, it's rare that I, I mean, I'm, like, really, like, congratulating myself on my work. And I think it's just because I try to be humble. And it's weird that like, I don't know, it's funny, whenever you you fall into a situation where you like co host a podcast, and then you spend 20 minutes talking about how you're an introvert. And, and I feel like the same thing kind of happens with like, people that do like YouTube videos because like there's like a handful of YouTubers that I watch pretty regularly. And this isn't even video game related. Like I, I hate watching like Twitch and video game streams. This is like other YouTube stuff completely. Um, but you know, there, there's a, a a trend in YouTubers, at least the ones that I watch, where like they have like, social anxiety disorders or like you know they have like problems with like being around crowds or being around people and it's just a really interesting situation because like here they are recording videos to put themselves in the public light to try to like talk about things or like spread their knowledge on whatever topic they're discussing which is kind of like the exact opposite of you know had being like had being like socially anxious because they're putting themselves out there but if you think about it like those people are literally sitting in their bedroom, like, looking at a camera. So it's not like they have, like, you know, a 30-person film crew recording them, and it's not like they're doing, like, big press tours or anything. So I don't know. It's just I think I'm getting, like, way off on the topic now. But it's interesting to be in a position like you and I are where we put ourselves out there or, like, someone who does YouTube videos who puts himself out there or even, like you said, at your job, like, where you're always in front of people, you're always talking, you're in crowds a lot. But you're also – or you and I and all these other people are also, like – introverted at the same time i guess
0: yeah yeah that's true i do want to say one one quick thing though i think that um there's a difference between um bragging and being very honest um about yourself and so i think that um i think it's in our in american culture anyway i think it's really awkward to like talk about yourself without seeming like you're bragging um but you know like for example. Um, I'm really good at my job. Like, I'm one of the best people at my job. I'm amazing at my job. Um, So, like, if people hire me, like, they know they're going to get, like, world-class service. Um, But, you know, to say that, it makes it sound like you're kind of bragging. But at the same time, you have to be honest, right? Or, like, if you're a really good person or if you have something that's worth talking about, it's tough to talk about that without sounding like you're full of yourself. But at the same time, you're not really doing yourself a service by not talking, so I think that's another kind of interesting line to walk, where you may have something that's really worthwhile to speak about, or maybe you want to share something that's really worthwhile. But at the same time, you, you know, and we tend to kind of look at people who, who speak like that as people who are kind of, you know, bragging or boasting or, or trying to look big or something. So I think that's kind of an awkward line um, to traverse. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, we are kind of getting off topic here, but I think that's something <laughs> else to add to the mix. Maybe we could talk about that at a different time. But uh, yeah, something else. Something else. It's hard. It's hard to talk. It's hard to be a person. It's hard to talk
1: to people. It's it's tough to be human. Being human is really difficult. I think that's the bottom line here. I wish that we were transitioning right into talking about Detroit become human right now because that'd be the perfect segue. But we are not, unfortunately. We will we will pretend like we are, and
0: then when we get to Detroit, we'll just you know remember this. Remember we talked about this. <laughs>
1: we'll segue right into it. Um,
0: anything else you want to add? To your, your your banter, Corey? Uh,
1: I don't think so. Um, that was just me bouncing ideas around about you know people and how I act around people and how other people act around people so I could get it off my chest into a public forum and that is all I have to say I think all right fair enough fair enough you extrovert you
0: (laughs) um I'll do my banter really quick uh it's been a long weekend sort of this is my first weekend off in a while so I was really excited to stay home but it ended up being kind of busy we had some uh, old friends from out of town who just happened to be in Seattle. And we hadn't seen them in a really long time. So we felt like we should have them come over because it was just the decent thing to do. So they did. And so they were here, cool people, but you know, having guests show up at your house unexpected and you're not really prepared for them. And then they're here the whole time. It's kind of exhausting. I'm not big on, as we just said, not big on chit-chatting, not big on hanging out with folks and stuff like that. So that was, you know, a little bit of an energy suck. Also, this last weekend was the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show. I tweeted about it a fair amount. Um, I went to it last Friday. I love that show. I really recommend it. If you are in the Pacific Northwest, it's worth coming to. It's worth coming to. It happens in Tacoma, Washington, which is a little bit south of Seattle. Wonderful show. They bring like a ton of uh, old pinball machines, more recent pinball machines, arcade machines, sit-down arcade machines. There's some new stuff. Um, you pay one entry fee and then everything is set to free play when you go inside, which is amazing. And I just love that show so much. Um, it's not quite as big as the uh, Portland Retro Games Expo. That is still the number one uh, place to go if you want to play some retro arcade games. Uh, but the, the Northwest Pinball and Arcade Show is awesome. I never miss it. I love it so much. Uh, really recommend it if you're in the area. It happens once a year. Unfortunately, it's over for 2017 by the time you hear this, but you can hit it next year. <laughs> Um, also while we were there, I just want to give a really quick shout out to Comics for Kids. It's, uh, four as in the number four. Um, they had a booth at the pinball show. I had never heard of them before, which is weird because I used to be really deep into comics. Uh, but as we were walking out, there was this lady with this booth piled high with comic books. And I'm like, oh, well, I like comic books. What's this about? And she was just giving them away. She had tons of like all these, uh, you know, older comics, but she's like, oh yeah, we're, A nonprofit organization and we support literacy uh in kids and we want to do this by giving them comics and they go through all the comics and make sure there's nothing uh offensive or over the top in the comics and they stamp them all on the inside cover with their, you know, seal of approval. This is okay for a kid to read. And they just were like, here, take as many as you want. And they had boxes and boxes and boxes that they were giving away. Um, very cool lady. Uh they're on Twitter at comics for kids inc. Uh, they are a Washington-based organization. They are getting grant money from a number of people. Diamond Comics Distributors, DC, State Farm, uh, the Gates Foundation. Uh, a number of places are funding this, uh, this work. And I think it's great. We, we got a big stack of comics. We read them on the way home. And as a homeschooler who uses comics to teach reading, I think this is awesome. I think getting uh, kids to read by introducing them to comics is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So thank you very much to Comics for Kids. Uh, follow them on Twitter at comics 4 kids with four being the number four, uh, comics for kids, Inc. And, uh, yeah, big ups to them. I think that's a great, great cause. So that uh, is all the banter I have. Um, I'm thinking we should probably just talk about E3. Yeah,
1: let's talk about E3. E3. All right. Uh, this is a big
0: show. Um, At the time we are recording this, it is the first day of the exhibition floor being opened, which means that not a lot of news has trickled out from the games that are on display. So tonight we are going to be talking mostly about the games that they showed at all of the press conferences, Um, all the major uh, publishers, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, also Ubisoft, also Bethesda, um, I think that's it. So we're going to be talking about all of those conferences, and maybe next time we'll talk about uh, sh- uh, games which were not shown, but we've, we've digested all the material that's available. We've seen everything that it's basically possible to see right now, and we are going to be discussing uh, these, these, these press conferences. Um, we're not going to go over everything in excruciating detail, but I'll give a list of what was shown. And these videos are also available on YouTube, by the way, if you want to go and catch those for yourself. Um, I'm going to give the list of what was shown, and then we're just going to call out uh, highlights or interesting points, and we will just kind of just see where this takes us. Sound good, Corey? Sounds like a plan. All right, cool. So the first one that occurred was Electronic Arts, and they announced a small number of titles. I'll just read them off really quickly. They announced DLC for Battlefield 1 called In the Name of the Tsar, like a Russian Tsar. They announced A Way Out. They announced Anthem. They announced a soccer game, a football game and a driving game. And I got to be honest, (laughs) I didn't I didn't pay too much attention because I don't like those kind of games. But there was there was sure some soccer, definitely some football and a car driving game. And then they finished with um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. So, Corey, any of these striking your fancy? Anything you want to talk about?
1: Uh well with E3's conference, I feel like a common theme or not E three, EA's conference, uh at E three, I feel like a common theme that I'm gonna be talking about in this show is like not being super jazzed about, like a ton of stuff that came out of E3 so far. Like there's definitely stuff that I'm interested in, but there's not a whole lot that I'm like getting hard over or anything like that. It's just like stuff that's like mildly cool for me. Um And honestly, the only thing that came out of EA's conference that I was, like, interested in at this point is A Way Out. And that's partly because, as far as I know, it was, like, an actual reveal because I hadn't heard of this game beforehand. And the other part is just about the content of the game itself. Um, A Way Out is essentially, it's developed by the guys that did Brothers' uh, Tale of Two Sons, which I feel bad because I never finished that game, but I did play most of it. Oh, Um, my God,
0: you never finished that?
1: No, I never finished it. Sorry, oh, dude, you got f- to that, that. That is a good game.
0: And it's a short game, too. How come you didn't finish? I
1: don't know. I think I just got like a little bit bored, like most of the way through. And then I just stopped playing it. But it's still I still have the save on my 360. I just never finished it.
0: Oh, man, I love that game. You should just start from the beginning. It's like a single sitting game. You can totally power through it. Anyway, yes, yeah, Starbreeze. These guys are coming out. Go on, continue.
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, basically, this game is about um, a pair of criminals in prison, one guy who I believe has been in prison for a while, and then another guy who kind of comes in on his first day in prison. And it's basically a prison break story where they have to work together to get out of prison, like to live in prison, and survive, and then eventually break out. And But the, the twist to this game is that the entire game is co-op, and it could be played in... Split-screen co-op, couch co-op, which is amazing because couch co-op is, like, my favorite co-op in the world. And, like, no games have couch co-op anymore. Uh, You can do that or you can do online gameplay. But um, from what I could tell from the conference and what they talked about, the whole game has to be played with another person. It's not the kind of game where you can just, like, turn on the AI and let the other person... uh, Like, let the AI take over for the other person. Like, you literally have to have a partner for the whole thing. And um, it just looks really interesting. I mean, it's not it it looks like something that i haven't really played before um it looks pretty fresh um it's not a game about shooting people which is uh great i mean i love shooters but like you know it's nice to have a conference without you know 20 shooter games in a row um but i don't know that's really the only one that i was like really jazzed about i'm excited that star wars battlefront 2 is getting a single player mode um i'm not super interested in star wars in general i'm kind of a star trek kind of guy but uh i I uh, well, I will definitely probably try Star Wars Battlefront Two whenever it comes out and play the single player mode. Um, but I'm not like gonna put a whole lot of you know stock in it because I'm not super interested in Star Wars. But uh, I don't know. That's really all that really jumped out for me. What about you, Brad?
0: Um, yeah, I'm definitely interested in a, in a Way Out. Also, for the record, I don't think anything at this conference got me hard either. That's not really something I, <laughs> I look for in my games. Just wanted for the record, you know, <laughs> I want to put that out there. Uh, but yeah, A Way Out looks great. And it's interesting because um, I had a conversation, a couple of conversations with people who thought this game looked good, but they were kind of put off because they did not want to have to play with another real person, um, you know, because they either don't have a partner who plays games or because it's really hard to schedule things with other people when you're a grown up. Like I totally get that. I get that absolutely. Um, but I kind of see games like this as like a new genre. Like I don't I'm still kind of thinking about it. I haven't really decided like where the boundaries of this genre lie or exactly what what is in and what's out, but we're definitely getting more and more games where like you just need other people to play these games, where the game itself is kind of like a framework for multiple people to play. Now this is not exactly new, but I think we're seeing more and more like story-based games or, or certain types of action where you just really can't do it by yourself. Like the AI isn't going to cut it. You just got to have people. Um, so that's an interesting twist. At first, I was kind of against that idea because I used to have that problem as well. Um, you know, trying to uh, find people to play with online is really, really tough. Uh, my schedule is really erratic. I know other people's schedule is erratic. You throw in different time zones and people just not feeling it or people being busy or whatever. Um, so I get that. I'm very sympathetic to that. Uh, but at the same time, I think this game looks great. I think it's a great idea and I'm open to more of these things. Um, I think I'll be able to play this because my wife is a hardcore gamer, just like I am. Uh, and that was not an accident. We got, that was intentional on my part. Uh, so (laughs) that worked out for me and I think that that's going to work out in the future, but you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's something that I think people can explore. I'm really interested in seeing what other types of games can incorporate other people that are not just shooters or not just uh, the real basic you know combat games. This looks really fascinating. I mean, they showed examples of like one guy hiding inside the prison, he's hiding inside a laundry basket, and then the other guy pushing the basket, or, you know, one guy is on the floor and one guy's up on a catwalk up above. And they're kind of like, you know, in the same scene, one guy is like in the middle of a cutscene. The other guy is watching him in that cutscene, which is kind of interesting. Um, I just, I think it's a great idea. And I think that Starbreeze really, um, earned a lot of credit with me for Brothers. I thought Brothers was fantastic. Um, I know a certain segment people really kind of shit all over it, but I thought it was amazing. I loved it a lot. So, um, definitely looking forward to a way out. Um, as far as Battlefront 2 goes, not interested Um, I may rent it and play the story mode. That's like the big addition this time around. I mean, for those who didn't play it, the first Battlefront was just multiplayer only, which is really boring. I uh, did not care for that game at all, even though I was down for a Star Wars shooter. And uh, I think a story mode is great. I mean, I'll probably game fly it, play through the story mode, then call it done because what they showed was just, you know, more of the same, which didn't really capture me the first time. And even worse, they had a bunch of shit from the prequel movies, which I think are awful. Uh, So they had a bunch of like uh, the combat droids or whatever they call battle droids and some of those ships from those uh, those those prequel films, which were just atrocious. So that was just like that was anathema to me. Just no interest whatsoever. Um, I think soccer, football and driving game all looked really good. I'm sure those will be great for the fans. (laughs) And the one that is really interesting and one that really popped up several times over the course of these conferences was Anthem. Did you, uh, had no interest in Anthem, Corey?
1: I was actually, because, um, I, uh, spoiler alert, did not actually watch the press conference for EA. Whenever I looked at the list of games was unveiled, I just looked up individual, um, trailers, but I was planning on discussing Anthem during Xbox's portion because that's whenever they like showed it off with the new Xbox. So I am interested. Um, we can, do you want to talk about it now? No, let's get
0: to it when we get to the Xbox, because they really featured it really prominently at Xbox. That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, but that wraps up EA's conference. Uh, not a whole lot to chew on. Um, but you know, EA EA. I'm not really their biggest fan in general. Are you much of an EA guy, Corey?
1: Uh, it just kind of depends on the game, I guess. Like obviously EA published, um, two of the three Mass Effect games, but eventually I think they acquired the first game and, um, I don't know. I mean, I know that people like like to shit all over EA because they're, like, probably the biggest publisher. I mean, are they, like, the biggest console publisher, Brad, do you think? I think that they are, yeah. Um, so people automatically are like, oh, EA, like, they're, you know, a bunch of corporate hacks and all they want is, you know, money and blah, 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 which, you know, might be true. <clears> but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, like super impressed with their press conference. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know. My feelings on EA are just kind of like middle of the road, I guess.
0: All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Let's move on to the next conference. The next one in sequential order was Microsoft. They announced a shit ton of games. This was probably, I mean, like I, I was shocked. I was shocked because these guys are really known for getting bogged down in a lot of corporate speak and a lot of tech specs, a lot of just talking heads like uh, they, their conferences are usually awful. They must have really gotten the message uh, the last couple years because people hammered them over and over for being just out of touch and not knowing what the fuck is going on. Um, so they really course corrected this year. They showed a ton of games, probably the most game focused press conference they've ever given like like ever. Uh, there was also no mention of fucking fantasy football No mention of using the Xbox as a cable TV pass-through or any bullshit like that at all. Kinda amazing. So, let me read through the list of games really quickly because there was a lot. And we're also going to talk about, like, the the elephant in the room, the Xbox One X. That was what they led off with. Uh, Native 4K display, it's backwards compatible with Xbox One Launching at $4.99, which is what I, which is what I called, uh, you can go back and listen to that episode when we talked about it. $4.99 is what I had it pegged at, so I'm happy to be proven right. Um, the games they announced, Forza, Metro Exodus, Assassin's Creed Origins, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, Deep Rock Galactic, State of K2, The Darwin Project, uh, some random Minecraft stuff, Dragon <laughs> Ball something, Black Desert, The Last Night, The Artful Escape, Project Vane, Sea of Thieves, Tacoma, Super Lucky's Tale, Cuphead, Crackdown 3, a bunch of indies in, like, a kind of trailer of quick clips. Uh, I didn't get the names, but there's a lot of indies shown. Um, Ashen, Life is Strange Before the Storm, Middle-Earth Shadow of War, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Uh, They discussed Xbox, uh, original, original Xbox backwards compatibility, and the game they showed off was Crimson Skies, fan favorite. They also announced 4K updates to some games for free, which I guess means some are not going to be for free. I don't know. And again, they got to Anthem. So we'll talk about Anthem in a second. Corey, out of the long list of games I just read, what's like, like pick one and then we'll discuss what's leaping out at you first.
1: Um. Okay. The really sad thing is that the thing that's leaping out of me the most was one of the games that was featured in like the indie splash, like uh, ID at Xbox thing, because I mean, you're not wrong in your description. It was literally, like, a two-minute trailer of just, like, a bunch of indie games all slapped together. And one overall E3 thing that I, that a lot of people were commenting on on Twitter that kind of forced me to notice it is that there was not a very big indie presence at, like, any press conference, I felt like, except for Microsoft probably had the most. But even so, they didn't really, like, talk about the games. They were just like, all right, here's, like, a two-minute trailer, and each game gets, like, 15 seconds of screen time, and then that's it. But... The game that I, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I think I'm the most excited about at a Microsoft's conference is a game called Observer. And I'm mostly excited about this because I knew what it was going in. I'd heard of it. I, I already had interest in it, but just seeing it more, um, what just was interesting to me again. Observer is the second game from a ridiculously titled development team, Bloober Team, and they made Layers of Fear, which was a first-person... Uh, sort of, like, narrative horror game that came out last summer, I think, and I adored Layers of Fear. Um, I thought it was great. It was kind of like, it, as, like, PT got canceled and Silent Hills got canceled and, like, a bunch of, like, first-person horror games started coming out that were sort of, like, sort of, like, ripping off PT, um, that one was the most successful one, in my opinion. Uh, kind of, sort of, up until Resident Evil 7 came off, if you can call Resident Evil 7 a PT ripoff, but... um but uh, Observer is basically another first-person uh, horror exploration game. But instead of it being set in, like, a dark, spooky mansion, like uh, Layers of Fear was, um, Observer is, like, in, like, a sci-fi universe where, like, it looks sort of, like, more in line with, like, Soma scary than it does with, like, PC scary. Because I guess it's about, like, being in the future in, like, a sci-fi universe. And you can use, like, technology and, like, mind hacking to, like, scare people and, like, to to penetrate like your worst fears as you're going through. I don't really know a ton about it. I don't think they've released a ton about it, like storyline wise, but um, Observer I'm super interested in. I am tentatively interested in the original Xbox backwards compatibility. I think uh, Microsoft is definitely doing it right with backwards compatibility because like last week Sony basically came out and said, hey, we don't give a fuck about backwards compatibility. And it kind of like set the wrong tone for them. And meanwhile, Microsoft is like, hey, we're going to make really fucking old games backwards compatible, which I think is great because I still have some old Xbox games in my shelf and I would love to be able to put in like *Time Splitters 2 and play it on my Xbox One. Like that would be great. Um, uh, I was also surprised to learn that Tacoma, which is uh, Fulbright who did Gone Home, their next game is going to be Xbox One exclusive for consoles. I thought that was super interesting. I will be curious to see if that will come to playstation eventually because i feel like it would thrive on playstation but that's just my opinion was that Um,
0: like was it like
1: launch exclusive because i was i was i did not realize it was exclusive is it permanent exclusive do you know did they say um as far as the research that i've done online it says that they have no plans of a playstation version yet which i thought was fascinating wow Um, that's very
0: that's very interesting and Kind of foolish, maybe. I, that seems like a really bad call.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. Unless, um, I mean, I feel like the same thing happened with Superhot. Like for some reason, the original Superhot is Xbox One exclusive on consoles, and that game is just like dying to be on PlayStation Four. I feel like it would find such a bigger and better audience on PlayStation Four. But uh, you know, I'm guessing that Microsoft handled over or handed over an assload of cash to both of these developers in order to keep their stuff uh, exclusive to the Xbox One. But uh, I, for the record, did not like Gone Home. I think that game is super fucking duper overrated, but I am really interested in Tacoma, so I, I have high hopes for it. Um, I think the last thing before we talk about, because I, I think we'll talk about the Xbox One X in a few minutes, but the last thing I want to talk about real quick is that I think it's interesting that um that uh the whole fiasco that happened with The Last night and this is like a sort of like a pixel art style. I think it's like a 2D side-scroller. I honestly didn't really look up that much on it because it did not take long for uh, for bad news to come out about this game whenever it debuted. Basically, whenever this game debuted at Xbox or at Microsoft's conference, it looked amazing and everybody was like, wow, it has a really good art style. I'm super interested in this game. And then, like, literally, like, an hour after it debuted, I shouldn't say literally, because I don't know if it's really that long, but not long after the game debuted at Microsoft's conference, um, word got out pretty quickly that one of the lead developers in the game, whose name is Tim Soret, uh, was is, like, sort of like a gamergator and a Gamer Gator apologist, and he had written a bunch of tweets and, like, message board stuff in the past on the internet about basically saying a lot of not nice things about, uh, about like women and about like progressive society and the whole point of the game, which is, uh, quite possibly the dumbest storyline I've ever heard in my life is that it takes place in a futuristic cyberpunk universe where progressiveness has gone too far, which I don't even know what that means. Um, and the whole point of the game is that universal basic income has been implemented into society and all of a sudden people lose their passion to do anything in life because they're all getting paid for doing nothing and they have to like reverse turn to capitalism to get like happiness out of life which I mean that basically goes against everything that cyberpunk has ever stood for like ever. And yet the game is supposed to be a cyberpunk game. So I am not interested in this game in any way, shape or form. I know that recently Tim sort had written an apology and the development team had written an apology, basically saying that they believe in feminism and they believe in progressive society and all this stuff, which I think is just them trying to cover their asses because they saw their sales potentials for this game plummeting as soon as word got out that one of their lead designers is a fucking asshole. So I don't, I'm not interested in this game. I kind of hope it crashes and burns, but that's just me. Um, that's the last thing I want to talk about. I know you and I will probably get to Xbox one X and Anthem in a minute, but, uh, other than all that shit that I just talked about, what are you interested in, Brad? Well, let's, let's talk about the last night again for a second here. Um, I want to just jump in on that. Uh, I had not heard,
0: of this guy, um, until this little, you know, reveal happened. I didn't, I had not heard of his game, didn't know who he was or anything. Um, but you know, like, like without knowing anything, looking at the last night, I mean, it looks very much like, um, like, a, like a 2D pixel art Blade Runner is what it looked like to me. And I gotta say, like, it was very attractive looking. I like, I like pixel art when it's done well, and I'm a big fan of indie games. And so, just just looking at the trailer without knowing anything about it, I was like, oh, this looks pretty dope. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this one. And then, you know, after the fact, I found out, oh, you know, this guy is anti-feminism or he's a Gamer Gator or something. Like, I mean, I didn't really go and like read up a lot about it. I mean, I saw a lot of people kind of pushing back and I was trying to filter through Twitter to figure out what was going on. Um, So I don't know this guy. I don't know what the actual truth of the matter is. I don't even know if that's actually what his game is about, because I heard some people saying that's not what the game is about. And it's kind of like, you know, the game isn't out and so no one can say for sure. Um, But I think it does raise a good question about whether it's possible or even advisable to to separate an art from the artist. So, I mean, maybe this guy is a Gamer Gator. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that he is, but like, just for the sake of argument, let's say that he is. If he ends up making a game which has nothing to do with Gamergate, and if it has nothing, you know, anti-feminism in it, if it's just a game, is it okay to play that game, even though you know this guy might be, you know, kind of a scumbag? I mean, again, not that he is. I'm just saying for the sake of argument here. Um, I, You know, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting question, because... When you start to read up about people that you like, you often find things that maybe you don't like. So maybe that doesn't come through in their work, but you know I think there are many examples of people who have written like you know great books or made great movies, and then when you find out about the person themselves, um, you're maybe not a fan of the person, but the work is good. And then all of a sudden you can't you can't not know those things, and so it kind of colors the work. Um, I'm thinking of like you know uh, Ender's Game and Orson Scott Card, who is not a great guy, but that was a really famous book. I mean. I think a lot of people know about the book and it was very influential. Um, You know, also like on a smaller scale, um, people may not know this, but Doug Tennaple, who uh, was one of the creators of Earthworm Jim, uh, very unsavory character in real life. But the thing that you may not know is he has written a shitload of graphic novels. And I have to say, as a parent, I find that his work on graphic novels are really kid appropriate and they're actually pretty good. So even though I know... About his personal uh, politics, and I totally disagree with them. I don't support them at all. At the same time, um, I think that the work he does is really good uh, when it comes to like books for kids, and I think that you know they're very appropriate. And so, you know, I mean, I think it's really complicated because you may not agree with a person's politics, but they're making a product that you may like. And if you did not know about this person personally, you would still be a big fan of their work. At the same time, you know, you don't want to make somebody that you hate rich because why are you rewarding them for being a scumbag? But then again, if that scumbagness doesn't come through in the work, does it really matter? I don't know. It's really sticky. I mean, what do you think, Corey? I mean, I don't I mean, I mean, don't think we have the final word on who is responsible for what and who's who and what the game is all about. But I mean, what do you think about that? Are you able to separate the art from the artist?
1: Uh, I mean, there's like no definitive answer here, but I think that it, it's very... Um I guess like situational depending on what the work is and who the person is and what the person has done and if you think that that's a big deal or not because it's interesting that the the thing that I find interesting is like the thought of you know like oh well what like what what video games have I played because obviously whenever I pick up a video game to play it I don't look up every person on the senior video game staff and dig into their lives and make sure they haven't, you know, like kicked a dog in their life before I play their game. Like, so I, I always think about like, well, what if there's a game that I really love and just like word hasn't gotten out that this person is awful or like, you know, that the game director is awful or something. And I don't know. So, I mean, you could call people... um, you know, like hypocrites or whatever, because I mean, like you said, if you, you know, dig deep enough on people, you're probably going to find something that they've done that you haven't, that you won't like, or, you know, haven't liked or something like that. Um, I think, I mean, it's kind of, I I find it more difficult to separate the art from the artist. I mean, it's possible to like a thing that somebody has put out. And then you also have to think about, well, you know, obviously most games aren't made by one person, you know, the, the guy, Tim Soret, that's, uh, developing this game like he might be like a lead developer a lead designer but you know there's probably like dozens of other people who are working on it and then you have to af- ask the question of okay well would like obviously you would hope that the people working under him are comfortable with him being an asshole uh and then like how much of the blame is put on them because they're the ones working for him and hopefully they would have done their research on their own boss to make sure that like he is an all right person before they worked for him and it's just like a giant rabbit hole of, like, question after question after question of, like, who can you push the blame onto, and especially in this day and age where, you know, everything is, uh you know, sparks into outrage culture, and you hear one thing about, per- uh, one bad thing about someone, and then everybody's do- dogpiling on that person, and then all of their fans dogpile back on the other people, and uh, I don't know, like, I don't have the answer here, but I can safely say that I am not supporting this game in any way, shape, or form. Um, I will not play it when it comes out. I am not interested in it. I don't think that uh, that this guy should be rewarded for being a jerk. But, um, I mean, that's not to say I haven't played dozens of games that I've enjoyed that are developed by jerks, because I just haven't put in the time and effort to, you know, research everybody who's developed them. But I don't know. It's a giant rabbit hole, and there's like no right or wrong way to answer this without just being contextual with what you are taking in as entertainment, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's problematic. And I think that, you know, you can't unknow something, but at the same time, you don't know a lot. I mean, there's probably something that I really love that is made by an asshole. And I just don't know that person's an asshole. And that probably is true for, for every piece of media out there, you know? So I don't know, I don't know what the answer is either. Um, but I am interested in this game. I'm going to try to do a little bit more research and figure out what the hell's going on. I mean, I, I don't want to paint this guy as a Gamer getter without really knowing that he is, because I, I firsthand don't know, and I don't want to just assume. Uh, because, you know, sometimes things spin out of control, and who knows what. Um, but anyway, interesting thing to think about. Interesting. Uh, let's see what else is on the list uh, before we get to talking about the Axe. Um, I was kind of interested in Deep Rock Galactic. I've never heard of this game before, but it is about a group of, I guess, dwarves in space and they are looking for minerals, I guess. They warp into uh, planets underground and they dig for stuff. They're looking for resources. And then when they, when they dig, they come across like bugs or aliens that are living underneath and they get swarmed. And so it becomes kind of like a team shooter um, the reason I'm interested in this is because it reminded me a lot of Helldivers, and Helldivers is one of my favorite games like of all time. I think Helldivers is amazing, and the team that made Helldivers, Arrowhead, uh, they haven't done anything since Helldivers, and so I'm really curious about what they're up to, and nothing has really filled that void. This kind of looks like it. Um, not exactly uh, like a-, a carbon copy, but a lot of the same kind of squad tactics, you working with a couple of other people Holding back these like waves of bugs or aliens coming at you. It had a little bit of the same feel. I'm going to keep an eye on this one. I don't know that it's going to take the place of Helldivers. I don't think anything can, really. Uh, but I'm going to keep an eye on this. Also, I really would like to call out State of Decay 2. Have you uh, played the original State of Decay, Corey? I have not. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Um, the original State of Decay was on 360. They're actually a local developer here in Seattle. Uh, Undead Labs. And I gotta say, I think State of Decay is possibly the best zombie game ever made. Possibly. Uh, it's really, really good. It's about you take control of a survivor who is coming back from a camping trip. You've been out in the remote wilderness, just enjoying nature. When you get back to town, uh, zombies. And you're like, oh my god, what's going on? So you have to like set up a base uh, in a town You have to scavenge for resources. You have to rescue survivors. It sounds pretty boilerplate, but the thing that really made it special was that you had to actually go and collect these things yourself. And so you're frequently doing these really scary um, supply runs. You also had to manage your home, like you had to figure out like what you wanted to build in each room. So like you know, do we need a med bay here, or should we put in some more beds to rest our people? Should we put in a kitchen because food will make them happy? Um, you also had to manage their emotions. Like people would get really depressed. And if someone was getting too depressed, they would bring down the rest of your group. And sometimes you had to like, you know, cheer them up. And if they couldn't cheer up, you might have to put a bullet in them because they're causing unrest among the group. I mean, there was all sorts of like sim elements and it was an open world game. I thought it was f- amazing. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it so much. Uh, but it was janky as fuck. Like the team, <laughs> the team's dreams kind of, uh, outstripped their reach and, um, although I really love State of Decay, for sure it needed polish. Um, They put out a couple DLCs, which were even rougher than the main game. Um, But I love that experience. I still think, even with all the problems, one of the best zombie games ever made, if not the best. And I've played a lot of them. So to see State of Decay 2, um, from what I've seen, it looks basically like the original State of Decay, just like uber polished. Like it looks way more beautiful. It looks bigger. It looks more detailed. It looks like you're going to be doing the exact same thing, but that's great because I think not enough people played the first state of decay, and if they're going to have a first exposure, I would rather them see this new version which is like looking gorgeous. Um very curious to see that. I haven't um I haven't played it for quite a while. I think I would be ready to dive back into it and I believe that there is co-op, which is the number one thing people wanted from the original that was not able to be implemented. Um, I am, oh my God, I'm so excited. Like, if I, if I could play this with my wife and we could be survivors in the zombie apocalypse with the kind of in-depth game that State of Decay is, holy shit, that would be an amazing experience. Really, really looking forward to that um, very much. Um, the other one that I want to call out, two more things real quick. Um, Ashen, which is, I believe, kind of an indie dungeon crawling game. Um, I don't know who puts it out, but it's got a really distinct look to it. The characters are like very, very low detail. like, And I think it's intentional. I don't think it's a constraint of the technology or the art team or anything. I think they intentionally uh, have drawn these characters. Very simple. Uh, But it's got a very striking look to it. And it it appears that they are kind of going through um, random dungeons, kind of some Dark Souls combat, Uh, you know, look at the trailer, go find the trailer for Ashen, A-S-H-E-N. I'm not, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining why it looks great, but I, (laughs) I thought it looked really interesting. Something about it visually really grabbing it. It seemed to me like one of those ones I need to keep an eye on. So please go check out that trailer. And one more game that we should talk about now, uh, before we get to the X is Anthem. So it came up in EA's conference. Uh, this is apparently EA's answer to, um, destiny because who puts out destiny is it activision act blizzard are they the ones put it out no <laughs> act blizzard <laughs> yeah who puts out destiny i can't remember god this is
1: i, I don't uh, i feel like it's activision i
0: feel like it's activision also i'm sure people are like oh my god these fucking jerk holes don't know put out destiny <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't like destiny Corey. you're not a destiny guy are you uh, no i gave it like an hour's worth of my time when it launched. I actually bought the white PlayStation 4, the Destiny Edition one, mostly because I knew Patrick was interested in Destiny. So that was like when I took the plunge on buying a PlayStation 4 was for the Destiny one. And yeah, I do not like Destiny really at all. All right. So
0: my experience with Destiny was I finished, I finished the campaign with my wife. We played it in co-op and that was fine. But I really it lost me hardcore after that. And that was before all of the upgrades. I know people are like, oh, it got a lot better and it's really good now. But I just, I'm just not down for that. So I Destiny lost me. But this seems like um, EA's answer to Destiny. It's basically like humanity is within this like enclosure and the world, I don't know, what it's not Earth. I mean, some, whatever world it is, it's nothing but like wild animals and giant aggro dinosaurs and jungle outside of these walls. Um, and so people have these exosuits, these robotic exosuits. And apparently there's different models. They're very customizable. You can change the weapons, change the appearance, which is pretty cool. Game is played in third person, which is a plus for me because I always prefer third person because I like to see my character. And then you go out with some friends and just like you go on, I don't know, you just go out in the forest and you shoot dinosaurs and you collect stuff and you go on these raids. Um, you know, apparently a lot of emergent gameplay, a lot of, uh, team hijinks and stuff like that. Um, I'm always down for a mecha suit. I'm always down for that. Uh, I'm interested in something that I can play with my wife. But again, this looks like something that um, kind of like uh, a way out. This might be something that you can really only play uh, with friends or perhaps like drop in co-op or something. It looks interesting. I'm not ready to sign up yet because I got to be frank, man. A lot of games lately seem like they want you to sign away your life. Like a lot of these games are like, games that never end, games that want you to like grind all the time, games that want you to devote every single hour to them. And I'm just, you know, that's kind of part of a a games as service discussion that I've been meaning to have with you for a while. We keep putting it off and we're not going to have it tonight, but I think the whole games as a service thing is good in some ways, but in some ways, uh, I mean, as, as a person who likes to finish games, I feel like it's really problematic because it's some, usually something that you can't ever really finish And you have to play a lot in order to keep up with your friends. So it kind of forces you to, you know, exclude other things that you might otherwise get to. So I don't know. I mean, I think it looks cool. I probably will check it out because I love robots and robot suits. And if I'm not mistaken, was Jennifer
1: Hale the voice of your main character in this game? Did you notice that, Corey? I did not, but I also... Don't think I was listening a lot to the video. I think I had the volume down or something, so I wasn't paying a ton of attention to the sound. Not super I'm
0: not hundred percent sure, but I it sounded a lot like FemShap to me, and I was like, oh, 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 FemmeShep,
1: okay. <laughs> so anyway, what what are your thoughts on Anthem, Corey? Okay, well you're leafing out quite possibly the most important detail about this game and that is oh shit i forgot oh god i forgot go ahead go ahead and that is we all know why mass effect andromeda was so bad now because this is bioware's next thing and you can tell that they put every cent of their triple a senior level development into this game because it looks gorgeous and this looks like the next thing that's like going to be their next mass effect like it's big it's expansive it's open i I saw a lot of tweets of people uh just saying like well why didn't they just make this mass effect like why didn't they make this the new mass effect because they could have very easily woven this kind of gameplay into the mass effect universe i don't really know how i feel about that but um it's made by bioware which i think is really interesting um And the other thing that you left out, I mean, maybe not left out, but that might contextualize the exosuits a little bit more is that this basically looks like Iron Man, the game, like as far as like the exosuits moving, the way they fly, like, you know, they like stick their palms out and the little jets come out and they fly around. And it seems very much like if you've ever wanted an Iron Man style game, this is pretty much the best thing you're going to get. Um. I do have a couple of responses to some stuff you said though. Uh, like earlier, whenever we were talking about a way out, um, and you were talking about like the emergence of these games that you basically have to have partners to play. Um, see in my, uh, I guess opinion, I think that, um, like for example, in the game, a way out, or even to slightly lesser extent, um, like, uh, Uh, lovers in a dangerous space time like I'm okay with a game being co-op only if that's like what it is supposed to be what I don't like at all is a game like destiny or maybe um, I'm really really worried that anthem is going to be like this because it seems like you said a very much like their answer to destiny that it's going to be a game that says you can play it by yourself and you can play it alone and technically like you can play it single player But it's going to be, even like the division is like this, but it's going to be like 100,000 times more difficult if you don't have like one or two or three friends backing you up the whole way. I would prefer for a game to just straight up say, hey, you have to have people playing with you to do this rather than have one say, oh no, it's single player. You can do it alone. And then it's like really, really difficult if you're playing it on your own. I'm worried that Anthem is going to be like that. I'm also worried that Anthem... Because it looks so great, and it just looks so promising that by the time Anthem ships, it's not going to look anything like this. Because I don't think they gave a release date. I meant to go back and look at release dates on these games because a big E3, um, a big fault this year was that a lot of stuff that people announced was coming out at like the end of next year, which means it'll get pushed to 2019, and we'll be seeing it in three E3s before before the games actually come out. Um, I'm just worried that Anthem, much like Destiny, much like... Uh, kind of, uh, like Watchdogs originally, that the final thing is just not going to look this good, it's not going to be this expansive, it's not going to be as interesting as this, and it's going to be far too, like, MMO wannabe video gamey by the time it actually comes out, but I'm still looking forward to it. I just hope that it's not one of those games where it claims you can play it by yourself, but really, if you do, you're basically fucked. I agree 100% with what you said. I
0: agree. If it's if it's a co-op thing, make it a co-op thing and don't just give this like half-assed single player that you cannot play through. Like Destiny was like that. Yeah, you can play a single player, sure, but you can't do any of the raids and you can't do any of these other things because you need a team. Yeah, I totally agree. So 100% agreement. And also, God, I am, kicking my, I am kicking myself because I forgot to mention the Bioware thing because I was thinking about it all fucking day long. All day long where I was like, oh, you know, I actually would be... Really excited for Anthem, except the last couple of games that Bioware's put out have been fucking garbage. So it's like I used to swear by Bioware, but they've lost their mojo, hardcore. And um, I don't, I, I just the the Bioware that used to be is not the Bioware that is now. So I don't know. Maybe this is what they actually should be doing now. Maybe they're not really making RPGs anymore. Maybe they need to make open world games. That seems to be what they want to be doing lately, and it hasn't really been working out for them. So maybe if they abandon the RPG aspect and just make something like this, like an open world destiny with Iron Man suits, maybe that's what they're going to be doing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm. it looks great because I love robots and I love flying around and I love dinosaurs and stuff. But uh, yeah, I have very little faith in Bioware now. Their quality control is just in the toilet and they just have not been making good games lately. So we shall see about that. And I think it's 2018, so probably 2019. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the thing that we should, probably should have talked about at the beginning, The Xbox (laughs) One X. The Xbox One X. So like we said, $499, 4K native, Xbox One backwards compatible. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's smaller than the Xbox One, which is great because that fucker was way too big. Um, Interesting name. I think a lot of people are concerned that they're going to get it confused with the Xbox One S, Xbox One X. Sounds very similar. People might have uh, some confusion at Christmas time. But Corey... What is your feeling on the Xbox One X? Is it go, no go, interested, not interested, don't care, care a lot? What do you, what's your, what's your take?
1: I mean, to sum it up, I just spent the last like five seconds rolling my eyes, but I, I mean, we all knew this was inevitable. We knew that, that Xbox was going to have an answer to the PlayStation Pro because essentially this is Microsoft's PlayStation Pro. It is a mid-level upgrade that plays all the same games that will offer better resolution on games that are like made, you know, for it. It's just like, you know, PlayStation 4 Pro, you pop in Horizon and it'll look better on your 4K TV than it will on a play I don't know regular PlayStation 4. Um, you know, who knows how much if it's enough to really make a difference. Uh, you know, now Microsoft can say once again, they can, you know, jerk themselves off and say, "Oh, we have the most powerful console now," which, you know, will probably only last another 4 years before another console comes out. But um I mean, it's not really the power of the console that makes a difference. And I know that you and I have had this discussion before. I think this discussion has been around on the game, the old Game Critics podcast for, you know, a million times that, you know, when it comes to games, it's not about the power anymore. That's not why I'm interested in playing games. I don't, I mean, I appreciate a really lovely looking game, but I I would rather see games that have better storytelling, that have better, um, you know, AI, that have better characters and, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, stories that actually interest me rather than just, a game looking good. And I feel like that's kind of what Microsoft is trying to do right now saying like, Oh, you know, well, look at us. We're over here with the, you know, the technically the best console again. But I mean, they didn't really show off a whole lot that I thought was super duper impressive about the console at, at their conference. Um, I feel like $500 is too much. I mean, it's an easy price for them to go with, but I feel like, that's asking a lot. Whenever the Xbox One S is only, it's half the price. I mean, it doesn't have, you know, 4K resolution. It's not nearly as good as uh, the the One X, obviously. But um, I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to convince people to pay twice the amount of money for games to look a little bit better. Um, I just feel like that's kind of a hard argument to have. Um, and also, I mean, is there anything that proves that microsoft is a bunch of like 50 and 60 year old white guys sitting in a boardroom Then the fucking name of this console the xbox one x like are you serious i mean i thought the wii u was a stupid name for a console i thought the wii was a stupid name for a console but jesus christ the xbox one x like give me a fucking break microsoft like it's just like I cannot believe that they keep coming out with these stupid names. I mean, the code name for this thing was the Scorpio, which is not that great of a name, but if your code name for the console is better than the actual name for the console, feel like you have some big problems. And this, you know, started with the Xbox One because the Xbox One is a stupid ass console name too. The Xbox One S is understandable because it's like the Xbox One. Small, they should have named this one. I don't know, like the Xbox One XL or something. It's just like come on dudes, like invite someone who is not 60 years old and a white dude into your conference room for like a day of your life. And maybe you'll get like a a more interesting input on console naming and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I feel like it's so painfully obvious that Microsoft is run by a bunch of like old white dudes who are completely out of touch with like society in general. And oh boy, you can tell from just the name of the console alone. Yeah.
0: It's a weird name. It's a weird name. It's not, I don't understand why they name anything, what they name it. I mean, none of their consoles (laughs) make sense, honestly. Um, I, I think there will be some confusion, uh, because, you know, I mean, if you look at the Wii and the Wii U, totally different consoles, they didn't even look alike, but like even today, there are people who don't know what the Wii U is. Like they think it's an add-on to the Wii. Um, you know, like that's just a a well-documented fact. Um, I suspect that they may run into that problem as well, because S and X sound very similar. And, you know, they're both called the Xbox One. So I think that may be a problem. But that aside, that aside, um, I don't have a 4K TV. I have no plans to get one anytime soon. So that's not really a selling point to me. I mean, I'm sure there are going to be some uh, technophiles out there who are really salivating to get like the, the, the latest and the greatest and the bleeding edge. But Uh, yeah, I just, I don't, that's like, none of that, that they've really announced to me sounds like it's worth 500 bucks. I mean, I bought my Xbox One, uh, before they announced the S and I really am kicking myself because I would have really preferred the S not only because it's cheaper and it's smaller, but that there's not really anything for me to play on it. I don't really, I spent, I do not spend a lot of time on my Xbox One and I think it's great that the X is going to be backwards compatible, but as they're talking about the X, um... If, if, if I'm not mistaken, it seemed like all of the games they announced for the X are also playable on the One non-X. So it's like, if I don't have a 4K TV, then I have no reason whatsoever to get an Xbox One X because, yeah, it's a little more powerful. Yeah, it's a little faster. But like, I don't want to spend another 500 bucks for a system that I barely play in the first place, uh, which doesn't see a lot of use. and I, I, don't, I, I didn't see a lot... Um, of exclusives that really swung me. I mean, maybe there might be something announced later on, but I—I I, would have to be something phenomenal for me to think about getting another Xbox One of any kind right now. I mean, the one I have is really dusty and barely sees use, so I'm not interested at all. Um, I—I'm I, also not interested in the Pro either. So it's not like I'm—I'm I'm Sony fanboying out on this. I don't think either one of these mid-generation upgrades are enough to get me to buy it. I mean, if I was buying one for the first time, like if I didn't have one, like, uh, sure, maybe I would think about it if this was going to be the first one I would have, but already having one, you know, having a PS4, having an Xbox One, uh, neither of these upgrades are very attractive to me. So anyway, uh, that is, anything left on Microsoft or shall we move on?
1: Uh, I just want to say before we move on that I think it's kind of fascinating that you and I had absolutely nothing to say about... Crackdown 3 and Sea of Thieves because those are like two big like Microsoft Xbox One exclusive kind of like they're like showpieces in a way um and the fact that we neither of us had anything to say about them I think is uh I don't know interesting
0: (laughs) well oh since you brought it up let's let's say something about it uh Crackdown 3 looks just like you would think Crackdown 3 looks. I like, I'll i probably buy it. <laughs> I'll probably play it, but it looks exactly like what you'd expect. So I honestly, as I was watching that trailer, I was thinking they kind of missed the boat. I think it's, it's taking too long for Crackdown 3 to come out. And like so many other games have come out, I think that maybe it's not going to be um, the splash that it would have been if they hadn't fucked up Crackdown 2. Uh, and as far as Sea of Thieves, that is totally another one of those needs to play with friends genre, because As far as I know, there's no single player. Like, you need a group of people to... You you play as a pirate, and you are one pirate on a ship. And so one guy's got to steer. One person's got to work the sails. One person, I don't know, swabs the deck. One person sings a shanty. I don't know what they all do, but they all all have a fucking role, right? Like, you cannot pirate a ship by yourself. And just looking at this, I'm like, I'm never going to play this. I'm never going to get four friends together for this. I'm never going to... You know, it's never going to happen. I don't even... Remotely think I'm gonna play this game at all, and even if you do play it, it looks kind of boring, honestly.
1: I mean, what what did you think about Sea of Thieves? You gonna jump jump into this? I have never been interested in this game, and I never will be. I don't understand what this new, and we can talk about this when we get to like Ubisoft's conference later. But like this whole fascination with like pirate boat games, like I uh, like I am not interested in this in any way, shape, or form. And if you are, like if people are, that's fine. I. I I never want people to, to not enjoy a game or, you know, to, to not get what they want out of a game. But man, like, I mean, if I had it my way, instead of Sea of Thieves, it would be like, almost like the Star Trek bridge crew. Like if you gave me Sea of Thieves, but in like a sci-fi spaceship with like people manning every station on that, like that would be something I would be interested in. I'm not even sure if I would play it because I don't think I would have enough friends to play it. Um, but this whole like pirate thing, I am just 100% not interested in it in any way, shape or form. All right. Well, I am kind of interested, but we'll
0: talk about that when we, uh, get a little further in the show here. Um, let's pick it up. The next conference was Bethesda, Bethesda, Bethesda. Got to be honest with you. Um, at this point in the evening, I was getting a little tired and instead of watching <laughs> the whole conference, I found a very enterprising person on YouTube who cut out every bit of chatter and only showed the announcements, which was great. <laughs> Watched the whole thing in like four minutes. It was great. So Bethesda announced Doom VR, Fallout 4 VR, Creation Club, which seemed like some kind of a system for paid DLC or paid mods or something like that. Um, they announced, oh my God, we have to talk about this. The fucking uh, Legend of Zelda Link Uh, DLC for um, Skyrim, which which is going to be on the Switch. Uh, So you can play Skyrim as Link. A lot of people were really freaking out about this, like in a good way. Uh, That was not my reaction. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, They announced more DLC. It was uh, Dishonored, Death of the Outsider. I'm sure you'll want to talk about that, being the Dishonored fan you are. Uh, Evil Within 2 wolfenstein 2 the new colossus uh cory pick your poison what uh what do you want to talk about first
1: okay so um i actually did watch bethesda was the first press conference that i actually watched the whole thing of live online so i feel like um you and i will balance each other out pretty well in the stuff that you watched versus the stuff that i watched but um I watched this whole thing online. Um, the press conference was actually pretty nice because it was only 40 minutes long. It was like short and sweet. I mean, relatively. The Microsoft one was almost like two hours long to put that in perspective. But um, I mean, I the only stuff out of this press conference that I'm super interested in, um, the Dishonored DLC, as sad as it is, is something that I'm like really, 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 really interested in. Um, and the word uh, DLC might be a little off-putting because it's actually, I think, like a completely standalone expansion. It doesn't look like you have to have played either Dishonored to play this. Um, and from pre-order entries online, it looks like it will have its own disc. Uh, so that's pretty cool. It's kind of like how, um, like The Last of Us had the standalone DLC and like um, Infamous had the standalone DLC. I really like when companies do this rather than like forcing you to have the game to play the DLC. But um It looks really good. You play as Billy Lurk, uh, AKA Megan Foster, who was a character in Dishonored 1's DLC. She first appeared in Dishonored 1's DLC. She works for Dowd, who is the, the assassin that you're hunting for most of, uh, the first Dishonored. She plays a pretty big character in Dishonored 2. Um, she's voiced by Rosario Dawson, which is pretty cool. Um, But it's basically you play as her and her story and you're supposed to be on the hunt with Dao to kill the Outsider, who is basically the person in the Dishonored universe that gives everybody their magical powers, which I found very surprising because I like the Outsider. I think he's a cool guy and I think he's really interesting. He's like probably the most interesting thing about the Dishonored universe. And the sad thing is that Dishonored 2 like put him in the game a little bit too much and it made him a little bit less interesting. Because, I mean, the the best way to ruin a mystery is to reveal more of it, and I feel like that's exactly what they did in Dishonored 2. But I'm really, really interested in this DLC. I love Dishonored. I love Dishonored 2. I will, you know, probably pick this up, Day 1, and play all of it. I'm super interested in it. Um... I, I'm interested in Wolfenstein too, but honestly, like let's be real here. It's just gonna be more Wolfenstein. like that's okay, you know, because it took me two tries to get into the first Wolfenstein before it really uh, stuck with me and I enjoyed it. I bought the DLC that came out and I liked it. But I mean, it's just gonna be more Wolfenstein. like that's pretty much all there is to it. I don't really think they can like you know, break any uh, any bounds or anything with with a new Wolfenstein game. But the last thing I want to mention real quick is, uh, the evil within two. And I am just, uh, I am, God, I just like, don't know what to say about the evil within two. There are so many people going into the conference that were like, oh, I hope they announce evil within two, evil within two, blah, blah, blah. Like I love that game. People were saying that. Yeah. It was like all over to all over my Twitter feed. At least like everybody was like, I really want this. Like if Bethesda could announce anything, I would love, you know, evil within two. That's bizarre. I didn't
0: think anybody liked that game.
1: I I don't know. I feel like people do like that game, and I don't understand why. Because I fucking hate that game. Like, like the Evil Within. Uh, for those who don't know, was Shinji Mikami, who basically invented Resident Evil, and who who like reinvented Resident Evil with Resident Evil Four with the over the shoulder camera angle and everything. He um, this is like the thing he worked on when he left Resident Evil, and it's basically like, uh, a try-hard Resident Evil 4 clone that is not nearly as good in any way, shape, or form, or form as Resident Evil 4. <laughs> hey, that was uh. kind of good. <laughs> Whoops. Ray shape, or four, as in Resident <laughs> Evil 4. A little Freudian slip uh, uh, there. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, like, I don't, I don't think Evil Within is a good game at all. And I played all of it. I bought it on the Xbox One, and I played it. And it's just, like it's like you you can't understand anything that's going on in the game. The story is all over the place and it's impossible to understand what's going on. That pacing is all over the place so that you can't understand like what's happening with the story. And it's, it's done in a way where it's supposed to be like interesting and scary because it's like, oh, you're in like I don't know, like a hospital or something. And then, oh no, the floor disappears and now you're in some like weird other place. And it's like supposed to be interesting, but it's just not, it's not well done in my opinion. Um, The game is full of just stupid uh, stuff that I can't forgive in video games. Like one of the first enemies that you discover in the game is sort of like, it's not like a zombie, but it's just sort of like the shambling, like menace like thing. And a common uh, design, a uh, character design for these enemies is that they have like barbed wire wrapped around their faces. And some of them have like um, like railroad ties like jutting out of their heads. And you can stealth kill these enemies by sneaking up behind them and stabbing them in the back of the head with a knife. Well, if they have a railroad, a railroad tie already sticking out of their head, then what exactly is the point of you stabbing your knife in their head to kill them? It's just, like, a bunch of really stupid shit like that that I cannot deal with in video games. And, like, in a cutscene, the main character can, like... He, like, runs, like, dashes and, like, drop kicks an enemy. Like, you can't do anything like that in the game. The melee button in the game literally does the same punch every single time. Um, he is supposed to be a private detective, like a police officer, but he can't dash for longer than, like, three seconds in the game unless you upgrade his dashing ability. And I think his max dash is, like, seven seconds. And, I mean... If you're trying to tell me that a man is a cop and a private detective and a police officer and he can only he has to upgrade his dash to make him be able to dash for 7 seconds and all he can do is a single punch like it's just like a perfect compounding of stuff that really irritates me in video games like all coming together for this game and I totally did not like it. I wrote a really really long thing about it the year it came out about all the things I hate about it and how I think it's really stupid and that it's garbage and I, I just can't, I don't understand what, like, whenever people love this game, it's kind of like with Nier Automata, I'm just like, were we playing the same game? Like, I do not understand why people love this game so much. I thought it was garbage, it's not scary, it's not intense, it's not interesting, it's full of really stupid design choices, so, uh, Evil Within 2, like, I will probably play it, uh, but I'm not excited about it at all, uh, I'm basically only gonna play it in hopes that they will fix all the stupid stuff that I didn't like from the first game, which they probably won't because Shinji Mikami is back for the second one. And I, this is just one of those games where I just pull my hair out every time somebody talks about how amazing it is. And I just do not get it at all. Um, But I mean, hey, I'm happy for people who like it and want and get a second one. But this E3 was like the year of games getting DLC and sequels that that I don't care about the original games. And this is like a prime example of it.
0: Interesting. I I bought The Evil Within. I have never played it, though. It's in my backlog. Um, so I had planned to get to it at some point. But kind of like you're saying, everything I was hearing about it was not good. And with me kind of not really being into scary games right now, I kind of just like just maybe I'll never get to it because <laughs> scary game plus being problematic design, not exactly an appealing option. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little curious about this because number one, I don't recall anybody really liking it. I remember a lot of people saying it was not good. Um, I, I think maybe like Steve Haskey, friend of the show, uh, Steve Haskey, friend of us, Steve Haskey, uh, liked it. I, but Steve is kind of off. I mean, you know, Steve, he's, he's a little nuts. So I don't know why he liked it. Um, but I'm also kind of curious because, you know, how is it possible that Shinji Mikami could make, uh, you know, such a great game with his original work on the Resident Evil series uh, go on to make Resident Evil 4, which I think most people say is one of the you know, most seminal action games uh, in the last decade, probably. And then make something like Evil Within, which seems to trip over itself so much and has so many problems. That's really bizarre to me. I don't quite understand that. Uh, maybe this will be where he turns it around. Maybe he will take some of that uh, criticism to heart. Who knows? Um, as for the rest, I have no interest in VR games right now especially from Bethesda um not a fan of Doom not a fan of Fallout 4 uh no interest in Wolfenstein in fact I was just talking about Wolfenstein today the original Wolfenstein uh well not not original but you know the one that preceded New Colossus the the new one that was from what last year or two years ago or whatever
1: it was two I thought it was like four years ago at this point. Four years ago? Jesus. What, whatever. Whatever <laughs> it was.
0: Don't make me feel older than I am. Whatever the last Wolfenstein was, I was talking about the day, that today. And, you know, that, get, that gets pretty much universal praise. And everybody was saying how great it was. story so great. action so great. I've started the original Wolfenstein, like, I think at least three separate times. And I just get so bored of it. Um, you know, people say it gets really good. But uh, I just it just doesn't grab me. It's just nothing about it is interesting, and I just didn't click. So I'll probably give a pass to Wolfenstein Two. I'm not a dishonored fan. I'll probably give that one a pass. But I really want to talk about. Okay, no, that's a lie. I don't want to talk (laughs) about it. I just want to say shitty things and mean things about the link DLC for Skyrim. I mean, number one, fuck Skyrim. Okay, Skyrim is a fucking garbage game. It's always been garbage. It's really bad, and I know for whatever fucking bizarre reason, people love Skyrim. Like it's, you know, they sold a hojillion copies of it. It's available on like pretty much every system that's ever been created. Uh, I don't know why. I think Skyrim is shit. It's awful. It's got an awful story. The gameplay is awful. I don't know why people like it so much. I really, really don't. Um, But you know, Skyrim's coming out again for every fucking system uh, known to man. And people were so fucking excited for the Link DLC. We're like, you put a Link amiibo on your Switch controller and then this little chest appears with the Zelda music, that da 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 that little jingle. <laughs> um, don't ask me to do that again. And uh, <laughs> he opens the... You know, your character opens a chest and it's Link's clothes. But I'm sorry, your character is an ugly-ass fucking Skyrim dude with weird fucking hair and he's wearing these Link clothes. So what? Who cares that you're got the fucking Master Sword. Who cares? Who cares that you're wearing a fucking blue suit? It's, uh, oh my God. Like, I, I do not get why people are so excited about it. Uh, it looked horrible. It looked horrible. Uh, Skyrim is a boring game. I don't want to play it again. I certainly don't want to play it walking around like fucking some weird Link cosplayer. Like, I just, I, I am lost. I do not see why this was such an amazing thing. I don't know why my Twitter feed was fucking jizzing all over this fountain fountain of jizz jizz like a fondue jizz fountain just going off oh link oh my god link oh my god link gotta play skyrim again 400 hours again gotta do it dress up as link like really really oh my god what what do you think about this fucking link dlc dude i mean are you down are you down for it are you jizzing? You got oh, plenty of jizz God. shooting all over
1: yourself? No, I, I have never, ever been interested in Skyrim. I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. If you give me Elder Scrolls and give me Mass Effect or Fallout, I'm going to go for the sci-fi of the future every time. I don't like Elder Scrolls. I don't like Dragon Age. I don't like the whole you know, fantasy and elves and, you know, magic and dragons and bullshit. Like I, that's not the kind of fantasy that I like. I'm much more of like a sci-fi future guy. Um, I, I, I mean, all I can say is that if you're a big fan of Skyrim, which I mean, it seems like 98% of the gaming population is, this oh must gosh. have been... At I, least, at least. Yeah, I mean, this must have been a really good E3 for you because Skyrim was fucking everywhere. Like, that game is years old at this point, and it was everywhere. Like, there was VR and one, you know, demo. There was this Link stuff for the Skyrim Switch and another demo. It's like, everywhere you turned, it was Skyrim, something new for Skyrim all over again. And, I mean it must like feel good to be into Skyrim because like you can't escape it no matter what, no matter how you turn or how many doors you lock behind you. Like Skyrim is like, it's like a serial killer in a movie. Like it's always right there behind you, like (laughs) ready to ready to give you some new content or something. And I mean, it kind of makes me wish that I enjoyed Skyrim, you know, because it must be really cool to have like a seminal game that you love. And then like people just keep giving you more and more stuff. But I mean, one thing about Bethesda's conference and this ties into Skyrim that I'm not interested in in any way, shape or form is, uh, is this idea of having like an unlimited gameplay experience. Like one of the, one of the presenters, uh, for Bethesda's conference, uh, said something right along those lines, which was like, you know, Bethesda, we believe in like, you know, open-ended worlds and, you know, blah, 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 storytelling and all this stuff. And, and he said something to the effect of like an unlimited gameplay experience or like a never ending gameplay experience or something like that. And, I mean, I tweeted this out during the conference, but, like, that is, like, I, I am not interested in that kind of experience at all. I mean, we're talking about, like you mentioned earlier, like a games-a-service thing, because whenever, I mean, whenever somebody from Bethesda says, hey, we're going to give you an unlimited gaming experience, um, what, uh, what a person who sees the glass half-full, uh, they're going to think, okay, this is a game that I can buy and play forever. Like, oh, great, I, I can love this game, and I'll, it'll never stop, you know, giving me more stuff to do. What I hear is, hey, we're going to give you a game with a storyline, and then once the storyline ends, we're just going to give you one fetch quest after another that's auto-generated, that is not meaningful in any way, shape, or form— that doesn't really like further the goals of the game or add to the story at all because it's exactly what happened with fallout 4 like i played fallout 4 for like 100 plus hours i played all of the dlc except for i didn't finish nuka world but i played all the other dlc i mean i know fallout 4 is not the most popular one and i know that you don't like it brad but i enjoyed it i had a good time playing it it was like i mean it's not a groundbreaking game in any way shape or form it was simply more fallout but at that time in my life i hadn't played fallout in a long time and that's exactly what i wanted that's exactly what i got but when i was done with the story and done with the dlc i was done with it i don't want a game that's going to keep dishing me out really boring side quests that like are basically copy pasted side quests that have no impact on anything simply so i can say that i keep playing this game that it's unlimited gameplay experience like that is not That's, like, not something that, like, hooks me whenever I'm thinking about a game. Like, I want a game to have a beginning and middle and end, and I want to feel good about what happened whenever I'm finished with the game. I don't want it to just keep giving me, like, one bullshit side quest after another, and I feel like that's kind of what Bethesda is going after with Fallout 4, especially because they announced the VR and the Creation Club, and then, you know, Skyrim popping up every five minutes, every E3, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm not interested in that kind of, that kind of gameplay experience.
0: Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, I I definitely like my games to have a beginning, middle and especially an end. And I just I'm I'm staggered at the amount of mileage they've gotten out of Skyrim, which I thought, like I said, was not good from the beginning, has never been good. And people just have like really, uh, really gotten into it. Also, I need to apologize to a good man, Neil Taylor uh, from the Game Burst podcast. If he's listening, I'm sure he must be tearing his hair out right now because (laughs) he's probably the world's biggest Skyrim fan. He's got something like 92,000 hours logged in that game. Great guy. I love Neil. Uh, But man, that game is shit. I'm sorry. I just do not (laughs) like that game. Uh, You know, it must be amazing to be like somebody getting royalties from Skyrim because Jesus Christ, you could have retired that first year and you could just like just sail into your retirement just like rich because the (laughs) game never stops fucking selling. And who the fuck keeps buying this fucking game? Everybody's bought this game like 10 fucking times already. Why do people keep fucking buying this game? I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. So we should probably move on before we enrage even more of our (laughs) listeners, uh, because Skyrim is a popular game. Anyway, next on deck was the Ubisoft conference. Uh, Ubisoft has had their highs and lows over the years. If you ask me, probably more lows than highs. Uh, this year was a pretty mixed bag as far as I could see. Uh, personally, the couple things there that interested me, but there was a lot of kind of just shrugging and going, meh. Um, so here's the rundown. At their presentation, they announced Mario plus Rabbids colon Kingdom Battle. Uh, and I, in my notes, I've had Ask Creed in all these all these different places. <laughs> and, and that's really what it is. It's Ask Creed. Ask Creed Origins. Uh, the Crew 2... South Park, The Fractured Butthole, Transference, Skull and Bones, Just Dance, 2018, 17, 18, whatever. Uh, South Park mobile phone game, I think it was called like Destroy Your Phone or some shit like that. Starlink, The Battle for Atlas, Steep, Far Cry 5, and the surprise, I think the big surprise of their conference, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2.
1: So uh, what do you want to what do you want to chew on first here, Corey? Oh boy, there is like literally nothing in this press conference that is interesting to me. Um, I mean, I know I'm going to play Far Cry Five, but I mean, kind of like the same thing with Wolfenstein. Like it's just going to be more Far Cry. Um, I I do think the thing that I thought was really fascinating about after the uh, this conference is that I saw a lot of people tweeting about how like like oh like Ubisoft they're really they're really, like, taking risks and they're really doing new things and their show was so well-rounded. And, and like, I, I take a lot of issue with the fact that I saw, like, several people talking about how, like, they're, like, really taking big risks and, like, trying new things because, like, let's, let's talk about this for a second. So Mario plus Rabbids, I mean, I, I guess you could call that a risk, uh, I guess, like, even though it's kind of based on two IPs already. Um, can we just can we just take a minute can we just say rabbits fucking suck <laughs> they're terrible they're fucking french
0: buffoons and i just, it's like if i i don't know who likes rabbits nobody likes rabbits maybe if you're french you like them because they're kind of like miniature jerry lewises and for whatever reason he was really popular in france for anybody that remembers jerry lewis but it's like they're terrible do you like rabbits Corey? uh no not at all nobody likes fucking rabbits who the <laughs> fuck likes rabbits they're terrible <laughs> they're stupid and not funny. Awful. I'm sorry. I just had to say that.
1: All right. So, okay. So we have that, which we now know your feelings on. Um, I'm going to play it. Yeah, it looks good. (laughs) We have (laughs) Assassin's Creed Origins, which is an Assassin's Creed sequel. We have The Crew 2, which is a sequel to The Crew, a game that I don't think anybody played that no one asked for a sequel for. We have South Park, which is a sequel. We have Transference, which actually is kind of new. It's like uh, uh, Elijah Wood produced like horror VR experience thing. They didn't really say a whole lot about it, but I will give them some credit because that seems pretty new and interesting. Skull and Bones is literally the Assassin's Creed boat combat, a pirate boat combat, like, but just that for a game. So that's like been done before already. Um, just Dance, which there's a new one out every six months, so that's not anything new. Um South Park phone game, okay, like maybe that's kind of new. It'll probably be like, you know, the Fallout uh Shelter to Fallout um Steep, which I mean it was like DLC or whatever for a game that I don't I feel like nobody talked about as soon as it came out, everybody forgot about it. Far Cry 5, I mean the 5 says it alone. This is like the millionth entry in a Far Cry series. And then you have Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is another it's a prequel, so you know, I can't get away with saying sequel, but um I mean, I, I don't really see a whole lot of risk taking in this conference, so I don't know what people were talking about when they're like, Oh, they're just really taking risks. Um Oh, and Starlink, I left that out. Starlink, um, is basically like an air combat game that's like a toys to life thing where you like build like a toy ship on your controller and then it like takes it's it's like Skylanders, but like but like elite dangerous, if you will. Um, <laughs> and like and like, to, Toys to Life has been done to death at this point. So, I mean, that's not really anything new. The fact that it's like a flying shooting game is new. And the fact that it's like kid-friendly is kind of new. Um, but I do want to take a second to talk about Beyond Good and Evil 2 because like, kind of like with Skyrim, kind of like with The Evil Within, kind of like with a million other games from E3 this year, um, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is a sequel for a game that I've only played about an hour of that I never got into that I do not possess like the undying love for this game that everybody else in the gaming industry is obsessed with. Um, I watched this trailer and was literally embarrassed for the game (laughs) while I was watching the trailer. Like the trailer. Did you watch the trailer, Brad? Oh yeah, I did. I Uh, did continue. Okay. Okay. Because it's like First of all, the whole trailer is, like, really high-end, like, CGI, which a lot of the trailers from E3 usually are, um, because, you know, half the games that come out at E3 are not gonna be out on store shelves for, like, three years, so they probably don't have, like, a stitch of gameplay put together. Um, but Beyond Good and Evil 2 was this, like, really high-end CGI, um, uh, trailer where there's, like, this monkey with, like, a British accent who's kind of like a, like a British gangster kind of monkey dude, who's like doing this deal with this like pig dude and like every third word out of his mouth is like fuck and he's just like really over the top and really annoying and he like finishes this deal where he trades like this data disc that of course a woman with a cocktail dress pulls out of her tits to give him because that's we're talking about video games here and gives him the data disc and then the thing that he trades for it ends up being like a fake like statue or something And he, like, you know, jumps out the window and lands on this, like, jet bike thing, this, like, hover bike with this woman. And then it's, like, a big shootout, and he's, like, the monkey dude is, like, yelling a bunch of curse words. And it's just, like, uh, like, if you had played this trailer and and not put Beyond Good and Evil 2, the logo at the end of it, this is, like, so far away from what Beyond Good and Evil is that it doesn't even, it doesn't thematically make any sense in any way, shape, or form. And, like, just the amount, like, I'm not one to say that a game can't have bad language in it because, I mean, if you've heard me talk for 30 seconds at a time, you'll understand that I use, you know, curse words a lot. But the whole uh, vibe of this trailer, of, like, the high-end CGI, you know, the cool, like, british like gangster monkey who says fuck every two seconds like it was just so try hard and so cringe worthy and so annoying and like it, it was just trying like way too hard to be cool and therefore just embarrassing itself in the process and i man i could not believe how people were like giving up their first born for this game after like the trailer happened because i was like so embarrassed for the game the whole time the trailer was playing and i like oh boy i felt really embarrassed for the game i felt embarrassed for the development team um i mean it's cool that the developers came out after the trailer and the guy on stage that was like producing it or the game director or whatever he was like getting really emotional on stage like you know hey that's great like i'm all for like being proud of the work you do and being emotional over it but i was just like really like after all these years of waiting like, that. that's what you have to show for yourself. And I uh, I saw some arguments on Twitter about it. Like, I saw somebody saying, like, oh, well, you know, the, the Beyond Good and Evil, the original one, it's been such a long time since it came out that, you know, the user base has really grown up. And, like, maybe the second one, this prequel, is trying to, like, mature with the audience. But, like, when I think of a mature game, I don't think of a monkey with a British accent saying fuck every three seconds. Like, that is what the PlayStation two era thought mature was like adding as much bad language and as much like titties and blood into a game. Like that's what they thought mature was back then. And it seems very much like that. Like it's trying to be like really try hard, cool, and just like tripping over itself and failing in every regard. And I mean, who knows how far off this game is. I read on Twitter that some people said that there was like, uh, there were, uh, behind doors, Uh, gameplay trailers for this going to be going on during the conference, so I guess there's actual gameplay put together. I don't know if that's true or false. I'm sure, you know, we'll figure it out considering E3 has, like, two days left to go. But, I mean, from the way it looks and from the amount of information they gave, it seems like this game is still years and years away. This is probably going to be something we see at E3 next year and at E3 the year after, and then maybe we'll get it the year after that, and, oh boy, I... I'm just really embarrassed for this game.
0: Well, I'm kind of disappointed. Um, it didn't really seem like you had any thoughts on this game, Corey. I mean, what did you really think, though?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: jeez. Well, I I did play the original Beyond Good and Evil, and I do think it was really good. I am a fan of it. Um, I'm not sure that it is deserving of the reputation that it has, because I think it's kind of gotten built up over the years. But it's definitely a good game, and, and something that I think... Uh, people interested in games should play at some point. Um, the trailer, yeah, it was a little interesting. I definitely think it was a little try-hard. I mean, edgy British monkey, he was kind of annoying. Um, but I'm willing to to give it the benefit of the doubt and see where this goes. I mean, I know that uh, Michelle Ansel, I think that's his name, was trying to get this made for a really long time. I know that this was kind of his baby. Um, and, you know, people thought this was never going to happen. Like, I mean, this isn't... I mean, I don't know if I would put this on the same level as like when they announced like Shenmue 3 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake and all those things like, you know, that that legendary E3 a couple years ago when it seemed like every impossible game was coming out, Last Guardian and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know that I would put this on that level, but it's, I think it's approaching that level of where people really like the original and were kind of really upset that it was never going to get a sequel. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I want to see more. Um, I am a little bit concerned that it's been in development for so long that maybe it's not going to be uh, as current feeling as it should be when it finally comes out. But then again, who knows? You know, I'm not really sure. I'll just we'll wait and see. But uh, I'm 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 open to it. Um, as far as Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, it looked like a really boring XCOM. Um, I did not predict that being the direction that they were going to take. Uh, I don't like the rabbits. I think the rabbits are miserable fucking characters. I think they're miserable. I hate them. Uh, I don't have any affection for them whatsoever. So that's a really big turnoff. And just the the gameplay itself looked kind of just like blah. I don't know. if I'd really want to play that. Um, Assassin's Creed. Whatever, man. It's more Assassin's Creed. I mean, I just I I'm so sick of that series. I'm so sick of these games. The crew, nobody played the crew, nobody talked about the crew. I don't know why they brought it back. I don't care about South Park. Um, let's talk about Skull and Bones for a second because when Assassin's Creed Black Flag, that's the pirate one, came out, everybody said the pirate stuff was the best part about it. And I believed it. I mean, I saw some videos, I talked to some people. I like pirates in general. Like, I'm not like a pirate super fan or anything, but like, I'm <laughs> into it. Like, I, you know, I could be down with the pirate game. And I always thought to myself, you know, if they took the Assassin's Creed shit out, I would play that game because I fucking hate Assassin's Creed. Like, I think it's awful. Um, So this is that. This is that. They did that. They heard me and they're like, oh, Brad really wants this pirate stuff taken out, but take the, you know, no Assassin's... Okay, let's do that. Let's make this for Brad, Uh, which is great. But I I think they kind of fucked up because (laughs) from what I can tell, this is like a multiplayer only. Like, it seemed like they were talking about PvE and PvP, which is fine, but i want a story mode like i see this is again in more of those games where it's like you probably got to play with your friends which is fine but i don't i'm not going to do it like i just i just know i won't and this seems like pretty cool i would like to pirate uh, pirate a pilot ship i would like to pilot a pirate ship i would like to steer a pirate ship around and shoot dudes and get gold and etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'm not going to i'm not going to play with buddies and if this is one of those you can technically play it by yourself, but you're really not going to get anywhere unless you've got a crew, then it's going to be really disappointing because I was hoping for a while now that this was the game they were going to make. I was happy to see it. And then they're like, yeah, get some friends together. Multiplayer, open world. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know about this. Um, as far as Starlink Battle for Atlas goes, interesting. I think they missed the boat on the Toys of Life. I think people are really tired of Toys of Life now. Um, it's expensive. It is a cash, cash drain. Um, Skylanders was suffering, and Skylanders was a pretty decent game. Um, Disney Infinity is folded. I think Lego, what is that Lego one called? Lego Dimensions. They just announced they're not putting out any more sets for that because people are not buying them. Toys to Life is fucking. It's expensive as fuck, and you don't usually get a <laughs> lot for your money. Um, so. As much as I like the idea of taking a ship and customizing it, and the, you know the models look you know kind of cool, um, I I think maybe people are tapped out um, of just buying these little bits. I mean, if it's really affordable, maybe. But then again, it really falls back to what's the gameplay like. If it's just like a really standard shoot 'em up, and all you're doing is buying a bunch of different guns for whatever reason, yeah, maybe not. I don't know. But I'm 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 interested. I'm cautiously interested. But I you know after spending a, a fortune on the first couple of Skylanders games. Um, I'm not really keen to repeat that experience. Um, so we'll see. And as far as Far Cry goes, uh, yeah, it looked like more Far Cry. I mean, I'll probably rent it. Uh what else? I mean, I really like Far Cry Primal. That was really the only one I really clicked with. And I'm ex- expecting this one to be more of the general Far Cry uh, stuff. Any more thoughts on uh, Ubisoft before we move on, Corey?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think uh, I definitely said my piece and then some about it. <laughs>
0: All right, that is, that is true. You've got some feelings about Beyond Good and Evil. Um, and we will, I'm sure, circle back to that at some point uh, in four years when it's finally released. So. <laughs> uh, but after Ubisoft was the conference that I was most looking forward to, the Sony presentation. Um, interesting thing to note, though, uh, most years and for the last uh, several years in a row, Sony has been very keen to position themselves as a champion of indie games. At this year's presentation, not so much. A lot of people thought that the absence was oddly conspicuous. Uh, nobody mentioned anything about it on stage. There, was, there wasn't there was even a highlight reel, I don't believe, of any indies. Um, I'm sure that there will be indies on the floor at the Sony booth, but we have no information about that yet. So... I'm not sure why they are pulling back on the indies. Maybe they gave too much time to VR stuff, and so there was no time left for indies, but it was a really puzzling omission. Um, very curious to find out what's up with that. Um, in any case, they announced quite a few games, although not as many as Microsoft. I think Microsoft kind of takes the cake as far as sheer number of games released or, 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 or talked about, I should say, talked about in their presentation. Um, Sony did not match their sheer number, but they did have a number of interesting things on Deck, they had Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, Horizon, The Frozen Wilds, Days Gone, Monster Hunter World, Shadow of the Colossus, a remake, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Call of Duty World War II, Skyrim VR, Blah, Starchild <laughs> VR, The Inpatient VR, Monster of the Deep, colon, Final Fantasy 25, it's not actually 25, it's 15, VR bravo team vr moss vr so a lot of vr god of war detroit become human destiny 2 and they finished in a big big way with spider-man now there's a couple of these that i want to talk
1: about but i'm gonna let you go first what do you want to discuss first Corey? okay there let me look at my notes here um there's actually a lot of stuff in this conference that i'm interested in but i feel like a lot of it is kind of God damn, like, kind of what I've been saying the whole time, like, oh, you know, it's interesting, but it's just going to be, like, more of X or more of Y. Um, because I'm definitely interested in Uncharted Lost Legacy. Uh, I, I feel like Naughty Dog, as much as people love the Uncharted games and love, you know, The Last of Us, I feel like they really do excel in their DLC because the uh, The Last of Us DLC... Um, I can't even remember what it's called now. Do you remember what it's called? Left Behind. Yeah. Left behind. Uh, the Last of Us, Left Behind DLC, I thought was better than the entire Last of Us game. I loved, adored that DLC. And they released it as like a standalone expansion eventually. So you can just play it without having played um, The Last of Us. I totally love that DLC. And it looks like Uncharted Lost Legacy is basically going to be the same thing. Um, it stars Chloe, who was a side character in Uncharted 2, who was actually like a pretty big fan favorite character. Um, I really like Chloe. And, uh, as far as I remember, she was not in Uncharted 4 at all. Um, and it also has, I cannot remember her name, uh, the African lady from Uncharted 4. Do you remember her name? I did not play Uncharted 4 yet, oh, so I don't damn know it. I feel like is. such an asshole Sorry. right now. Um, God damn it. I can't remember her name, but, um, it stars both of them, which I think is great because it's like a woman and a woman of color uh, two you know, female protagonists. I'm all about, you know, inclusion in video games, which you can really tell considering I remember the women's characters and the names I'm talking about. Obviously, that shows I put a lot of commitment into diversity in gaming. Um, But uh, I'm really interested in The Lost Legacy. I hope it's good. It's probably just going to end up being more Uncharted, um, but I'm hoping that like The Last of Us Left Behind, it'll be like, the right amount of Uncharted, and a smaller and more interesting package, because uh, the Uncharted games are way longer than they need to be, and they're padded out with way too much combat than is necessary, in my opinion, so I am ha- I have high hopes for Lost Legacy. Oh, uh,
0: I'm with you on that, man. I totally, everything you just said, just like, ditto. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, the Uncharted games, I think, are way too fucking long, and I think they're interesting in very short bursts, so... I'm not a big fan of Nathan Drake or any of his cast, and I don't really like the Uncharted games in general, but I am kind of interested in this. Because like you said, I think uh, Left Behind, that was fantastic. That was one of the very few things I've given a perfect 10 to. I thought that was just an amazing, an amazing uh, piece of content. Um, So hopefully they can repeat uh, that level of quality. And I would much rather play, I don't know, what, four hours of Uncharted than like 20 hours or whatever the fuck they usually go for so yeah i'm i'm excited for this one too and plus you know ladies getting out there doing some uh indiana jones and i'm all about it man that sounds pretty cool
1: yeah i'm definitely excited about that um and i'm also excited because if it's like a standalone thing then that means you know hopefully it'll be cheaper and you know i won't have to have dishonored four on disc to play it and all that stuff um always a smart move always a smart move yeah totally um a few other things that i'm interested in um Let's see. I don't have PSVR, uh, but that doesn't stop me from being interested in VR games because I, I have a feeling somewhere down the road I'm eventually going to get a PSVR. It might be, you know, like a Christmas thing or maybe like, you know, if I ever get a cool job, I'll like buy one for myself or something like that as like a present. But um, I did think that Star Child VR looked interesting and maybe interesting for not the reasons that somebody would think when they think of a VR game, because most of the time when you think of a VR game, you think of like a first-person game where maybe you're shooting or maybe you're exploring an area or maybe you're like it's like first person horror or something like that. But Starchild appears to be a 2D side scroller, um, sort of in like the Metroid vein-ish uh and in, in that realm. And I actually am pretty fascinated with the idea of playing a non-first person game in VR, and I hope that development companies continue to uh, use VR in ways that are not necessarily the way you would expect, because I'm pretty okay with, like, strapping, you know, a, a, that helmet to my face and playing a game that's not in first person. I, and not only that, but Starchild actually looks like a pretty interesting game. Uh, as well as the inpatient, it looks, you know, like first-person VR horror. That's pretty up my alley. Um, news broke that Superhot VR is coming to PS4, which I can't remember if I, like, predicted that or if we've discussed it, but I feel like that's definitely the right thing to do for VR. Um... It'll be interesting to see if there's a time any kind of timed exclusive on the original Super Hot with the Xbox One because it doesn't look like there's going to be. But I feel like it would be prime to release that in a bundle with VR on PlayStation Four. Um, I have no idea if that's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, I mentioned it way early in the show, but Detroit: Become Human. Uh, I'm really excited about this game. I know that David Cage is not the masterful storyteller that he thinks he is, and I know that he has. Lost a lot. Basically, every game he's released since Indigo Prophecy, he just like loses more and more of like respect in his audience, I feel like. Because people, I mean, people liked Heavy Raid, but I feel like they were kind of hard on it. And I feel like nobody liked Beyond Two Souls except for me. But I am like unapologetically a David Cage fan and I'm really interested in the games that he makes. And I feel like this isn't as true now as it was like, you know, five years ago, but he makes, uh, at the time, like when Heavy Rain came out, he was making games that I couldn't really find anywhere else. But I feel like the Telltale games kind of like intruded upon his territory. But the nice thing about the Telltale games is that, um, I'm not really interested in any of them. So I'm not like tell out on like, you know, watching a cut scene, pressing a button every five minutes, because that's how the Telltale games go. Whereas I feel like, Uh, Quantic Dream games, you actually like play them rather than just put the controller down and watch them, and press a button every five minutes. So really interested in Detroit. Um, Let's
0: talk about Detroit a little bit since we're on this one. Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's dig into this a little bit. Um, So give us the rundown really quick, just like real quick nutshell. um, What is the premise of Detroit? Something about androids or something,
1: right? Yeah, it's basically, I mean, the, I feel like uh, once again, David Cage thinks that he's like, you know, like writing this like really deep, amazing story that's never been told before. But I mean, let's be honest here. The story is really dumb. It's basically about uh, humans inventing androids. And like the androids are like, um, they're, they're like, uh, they do like really low level jobs, quote unquote, for the city. It looks like, you know, they're like janitors, and they're like garbage people, and they're like maids and stuff like that. And then at a certain point, I'm not sure if it's been revealed what the turning point is for this, but the androids realize that they are more powerful than humans and they are more capable of doing things than humans. And why are they a slave to the human race whenever they're like, you you know what the turning
0: point was? You know what it
1: was, right? Oh God, what is it?
0: It's when they became sex bots, dude. Oh God. It had to be. They're like, (laughs) they're like, no greasy, hairy guy. Get off me. We're not doing this. I'm an android. I don't need to. I I don't need this. We're we're revolting right now.
1: You're revolting. I'm revolting. We're escaping our our enslavement. But yes. (laughs) Well, considering David Cage's track record with his uh, misguided attempts to make empowering female characters in games, a.k.a. Madison Page and Heavy Rain displaying her female empowerment by getting held at gunpoint by men and being forced to dance and strip down into her underwear by men and getting chased around her apartment in her underwear by thieves, um, that, I mean, that's, like, a very, very stereotypical, like, awful way. So I would not be surprised if a sex bot thing happens, because I feel like David Cage, like, would sit in his desk at his house with, like, a glass of whiskey and be like, all right, how can I humanize these androids? I know I'll make someone try to have sex with them and then they'll revolt. Like that literally sounds like something he would do. Um, oh, you but, know, it's in there, dude. You yeah, know, it's, it's, in gotta, there. Be. It pre- it's I, gotta be. It Oh man, we're going to have to revisit this because it probably is. Um, but I mean, basically that's the story. Like it's a story that's been told a million times and probably, you know, a million better ways. You know, you have the humans, you have the androids, the androids start revolting. Um, it looks like this game has three playable characters. Uh... The demo last year at the E3 conference, you were playing as like a private investigator or he's like a police negotiator or something. And there's like a standoff where a guy has a hostage on the roof of his uh, his apartment building and you go up as the android and you look through his shit in his apartment. And based on what you find in the apartment, you can, uh, you know, do different things to try to get him to release the hostage or you can kill him or you can end up killing the hostage. It, you know, the day the the David Cage Quantic Dream thing is textbook, like you can approach a situation in like a million different ways. Um, And that's going to be true with Detroit too. And that's something that I feel like it was really undersold in in, uh, his last game, Beyond Two Souls, because I've played Beyond Two Souls twice. And there's a lot of stuff in Beyond Two Souls that like if you make a really minute decision in one scene, it'll affect a scene like you know a couple hours later in the game maybe and i feel like that they did it really well in beyond two souls where they didn't necessarily telegraph stuff because in like heavy rain it's very obvious like Oh, if I make this choice, obviously it's going to affect something down the line. But in Beyond Two Souls, it was like a hidden gem in the game where like I finished the game and I was like, "Wow, that was, you know, interesting." And then I would talk with like I talked with one of my friends from high school um and he was like, "Oh, I like this completely different thing happened to me." And I was like, "Wow, I didn't even realize that that was like a decision you could make that would alter things in the future." So I feel like that people didn't fully appreciate how much work went into like branching storylines and beyond and hopefully uh, Detroit will, um, I mean, I don't think Detroit needs to do a good job of telegraphing that stuff because I don't think that's necessary because it makes it seem cheesy and contrived. I just hope that that kind of stuff doesn't go unnoticed in Detroit. Um, But I mean, long story short, I'm really excited about Detroit. Um, David Cage could put out basically anything uh, except for like, a pirate boating game and I would be excited oh. about it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for, for Detroit. It's too bad. He just announced his
0: next project and guess <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, I'm, I am, I am, uh, someone who recognizes the flaws in David Cage's work. Uh, but I also think that he does not get quite enough credit for trying new things. Um, he's kind of a divisive personality, and his games definitely have some problems. But they also, they kind of offer things that I don't really get from other games. Like, um, like for example, uh, in Heavy Rain, uh, that that game only works well in certain scenes. Like, a certain scene can work, even though the game as a whole doesn't quite work for me. But but when it did work, it was very powerful. So I think he's, he's kind of sniffing around um, where he wants to go. He hasn't quite gotten there yet. Maybe he will do better with Detroit, but... He really needs to invest more in just generally writing and kind of making sure that things hang together as a game. Um, he kind of falls down. He kind of gets down the wrong rabbit hole and and it kind of torpedoes his projects as a whole. <laughs> um, as for me, I, uh, I remind me really quick. You liked Horizon, didn't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I played all of it and I liked it. I was not slobbering all over it like everybody else was, but I did enjoy my time with it. I did not think it was groundbreaking in any way. I mean, it had plenty of cookie cutter gameplay. It had plenty of problems, but I just, I mean, overall it was a fine game for me.
0: Were you, were you excited about seeing the frozen wilds? I mean, are you down for more horizon this time with uh 25% more snow and maybe some mammoths or something or
1: <laughs> Don't care, had enough of it, or what's your, what do you think? Well, I, I'm i not sure. I should have done a little bit more research on this because I, I would be down for some Horizon DLC, but I rented Horizon and sent it back to Gamefly, and I'm not sure if this is like a standalone thing or if this is like... This seems much more DLC-like in the sense where you have to have the game running and installed to play it, and I'm not going to re-rent the game so that i can buy this dlc um if i owned the game i would consider uh i would consider buying the dlc but i probably won't play it i i don't think
0: yeah i'm not interested either i mean you know we covered this a million times in the show um i gotta say the the costume design is terrible in horizon i think it looks like people wear just like these metal scraps on their heads and they look like these weird like faux tribal oh god I, i (laughs) <laughs> really dislike the character design of the game. Not going to play that game. Um, let's talk about VR again for a second. Um, Star Child VR looked like Metroid. And that from that perspective, I think it was interesting. But it also looks like one of the typical VR approaches that is really uninteresting to me, where it looks like things are going to be zooming towards your face and you'll have a little depth of field. Uh, but that is really kind of where it goes. Something that really caught my eye a lot more than that. And actually, this is the very first VR thing that I was like, oh, maybe maybe this is something that I would like to play is Moss. Did you watch the video for Moss?
1: Uh, I saw snippets of it, but I did not watch the whole trailer. So this is a VR game. I believe it's only VR
0: where you are like a spirit or a guardian or something like that. So you are in the game yourself uh, wearing your VR helmet and the character of the game is not you. You are not controlling that character The character is a little mouse who's got, like, I don't know, like a sword or something. He's got, like, a gauntlet. He's like a little adventurer mouse. Super cute. Kind of looks like Redwall, if anybody's familiar with Redwall. Um, And he's going through these little levels, um, fighting guys and everything. And you are the spirit who's watching over him. So it makes sense that in a VR sense, you would be looking down on these levels and kind of moving around and seeing where the mouse is and kind of getting the lay of the land. And you're able to interact with certain objects. Or you know to help him out in his journey, so it's almost like you're doing like a like a buddy journey, where he's on this path and you're assisting him as this like spirit who is larger and above the whole thing. That was a really interesting take. Uh, I have not seen any other. You know, there's I think there's maybe one other game that's done a similar thing, but it didn't really go anywhere. And in fact, I struggled to even think of what it's called. But it looked really cute, really adorable, and I think that's a very interesting spin on VR. I'm not interested in stuff. Shooting up into my face. I'm not interested in doing another first person shooter, but this looks like something that is a genuinely kind of fresh approach to using VR as an experience that could only be had in VR. Because if you take away the VR, um, I mean, maybe it would still work, but I think the sense of watching over this mouse uh, would be greatly diminished. So I'm very interested in seeing how this comes along. I don't know that I would buy VR just for this one game, but this kind of gives me hope that we can start looking for uh, new different kinds of things beyond just more fucking shooters. (laughs) Um, Something else I want to touch on really quickly is Monster Hunter World. And a shout out goes out to Jason Cacho, our good friend William, J Monster, and my other good buddy Disco Beaver, who is another Monster Hunter buddy from back in the day. Uh, People, a lot of people, a lot of people hit me up on Twitter today and they're like, oh my God, did you shit your pants? Oh my <laughs> God. Are you going crazy? Oh my God. Are you alive? Like, what's going on? A lot of people checked in on me because they know that I am a huge Monster Hunter fan. And this is the next step in Monster Hunter. Um, A little while ago, we talked about Monster Hunter Generations or XX or whatever it was called. Somebody had asked me about this because it was announced for the Switch. And I said, oh, I'm not really too... Not really too jazzed because it's just like the same game that I already thought was rehashed content on a system that doesn't really handle it. And I'm like, you know, I love Monster Hunter, but I want to take the next step. It needs to be on a better system. It needs to be a better, better design, new ideas. This is that. Like this is my wish come true. It is an open world, going back to like really the spirit of hunting. Less action, more hunting, as in the sense of you're, you're tracking something. Uh, you're trying to lay some traps in order to to subdue it. It's less of an action game. Uh, The monsters look amazing. It's on proper systems now. It's going to be on Xbox One, PS4. It's going to be on PC. Uh, it It looks really fantastic. I mean, it looks like what Monster Hunter should have always looked like. And I'm very, very excited. I was a little bit hesitant at first because I wasn't sure if this was a port of a Monster Hunter Online PC game, which I believe was called Monster Hunter Frontier, That came out in Asia, I think only Asia, and it sounded like really kind of a very grindy MMO, which did not capture like what made Monster Hunter so great, which is like the real-time combat and the, you know, the systems. It seemed like just kind of like a grind game that had a Monster Hunter skin on it, from what I gather. I never never played it, but it did not uh, have a lot of fans uh, in the Monster Hunter community is from what I can tell. So at first I was like, oh no, is this a port? Like, I don't want a port of that because I heard it was bad. But no, this is a brand new, from the ground up, uh, all new, all fresh, huge technological improvement, huge design improvement, just modern, thoroughly amazing looking Monster Hunter. Yeah, my my shit was a little bit lost when I saw how great it looked. (laughs) And the thought that you could play this like co-op, like my wife could be on her PS4, I could be on my PS4, we could have our giant TVs running this thing, which looks amazing. And then also you can like drop in. So other hunters who are in the area can just like pop in and help you out with a hunt. I mean, that just sounds like phenomenal. I really hope that it ends up being everything that it's cracked up to be, because this is really what Monster Hunter has should have been all along. And I think it's only just now that the technology is allowing this to happen. So very, very, very excited. Um, Corey, now we, you and I and my wife have played, uh, we played the division, had a really good time playing that as a group.
1: I know that monster hunter is not the division, but if we were going to group up any interest in this, you know, whenever you were talking about it just now, that whole thought process was going through my head where you were talking. Cause I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I've never, ever played a monster hunter game. I've never even played like a demo of a monster hunter game. I, I don't, you know, I, I feel like I get, the general gist of what a Monster Hunter game is from like listening to you talk about it so much, but I've never firsthand experienced it. But, you know, if this comes out and, you know, like the initial wave of like reviews are good for it and it looks like, you know, it is what Monster Hunter is supposed to have been this whole time, um, I could definitely see myself trying this out with you and your wife and uh and playing this if it seems like, you know, it's kind of my jam and something I would be into and into and more so that the fact that, you know, the co-op situation would make it better. So I'm not going to like commit 100 percent, but this seems like a pretty tentative yes to that question.
0: All right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to take that under advisement and we'll see how this progresses. Um, we'll come back to this. We will definitely be talking about this again. And I'm very excited. I'm really, 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 really glad that Capcom took that next step because I got to be honest, Monster Hunter was getting a little bit stale and seeing it running on that Nintendo hardware gave me all kinds of sads. So (laughs) this looks like what it should have been. I'm very, very excited. A couple things real quick before we move on. Um, Days Gone is a zombie post-apocalyptic game where you play as a group of bikers. A lot of people are shitting on this game. Um, I saw a lot of real strong negativity for this one. Uh, and I, I got to say, I honestly kind of don't know why. Um, I mean, I get that some people are burned out on zombies, and that's totally fair. Like, if you're done with zombies, I get it. But, like, just looking at the game and the gameplay that they showed, it looked pretty impressive to me. Um, in this demo that they showed, you're a biker. You're going to look for your friend who's missing. You get uh, waylaid by some guys, so it shows some QTE fights. There's also some actual combat. The character seems to be able to wander around um, the environment pretty pretty freely, Sets up some traps for some bad guys, does some distractions, uh, moves on, sneaks past some zombies. Like it all looks very good, like very solid, interesting looking action. Um, I don't know why people are so down on it. I mean, did you take a look at this trailer, Corey? Did you uh, did you watch this Days Gone gameplay?
1: Uh, I watched some snippets of the trailer and. I mean, all I have to say is days gone, more like days yawn, because I'm over fucking zombie games.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I know you're not on the zombie train at all. And that's fair. Like, I get there's been zombie saturation, for sure. Um, But I think just from a game design perspective, it looked pretty interesting. Like, it looked pretty good. And I'm curious about how much freedom you'll have and how scripted things are going to be. It looks pretty interesting. So, I mean, I get that people may not want zombies, but the level of, um, disdain for this game has kind of caught me by surprise. I don't quite see why people are not liking it as much as they are. Um, but the big thing, the big thing to talk about was what Sony closed out the show with, um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man made by, um, Insomniac, who are the people behind Ratchet and Clank and those boring ass fucking, uh, what are those shooters called that they made with like the... Oh, God. It was like the Chimera were the bad guys, and it was like an alternate U.S. history. Resistance? Resistance. Super boring. Super generic. I hated Resistance. Ratchet and Clank looks good, but Spider-Man looks fucking sick. It looks good. (laughs) Did you see that fucking trailer, dude?
1: I watched uh, parts of it in, like, a Sony recap, and I feel like that just... Because I was scrolling Twitter, like, mad during the whole Sony conference because I didn't watch it live, but... Just the general impressions that everybody were was like using to describe the Spider-Man trailer. It seems really up my alley. I mean, it's Spider-Man. Apparently, the gameplay looks very Batman Arkham esque. You know, where you can be kind of stealthy and you can like string up the enemies with your web. And it has a lot of like looks like good hand-to-hand combat. Although I'm I'm nervous because every game that has copied uh, Batman Arkham's hand-to-hand combat has not been nearly as good as Batman itself. But um. This is definitely a game I'm interested in, and I will for sure play it whenever it comes out. Oh, man. I mean, this looks like
0: finally the game that's going to do Spider-Man justice. I hope, because he's had some okay games in the past, but they've never really been great. Usually technical problems, because, you know, I get that it's difficult to have a hero who can web swing all over the place and is very acrobatic, and that's challenging to do. Uh, But, oh my god, it looked so good. Like, Spider-Man going through the level and webbing dudes up, and then it was really hard to tell what was a cutscene and what was gameplay. Like it it went back and forth really seamlessly. And then in some sections, I mean, pretty heavy incorporation of quick time events in order to get Spidey to do some of the more uh, challenging uh, motions. Like there's a crane falling. He's got to like web the crane and that's like a QTE, but it looked cool. He's like hanging from a helicopter. That's another QTE. So it's like, it looks like a blend of things. Um, It just looks amazing. And the thing that I was really taken with was like the cinematic quality of it. Like I don't know how much of the game is going to be on the rails. I don't know how much freedom you're going to have. I mean, the Batman portions look good where he's kind of hunting the bad guys. Uh, But that went, you know, it seemed to go by pretty quickly. And then it would, it would very quickly go to like another cutscene or a QTE. So I don't know how much of that you're going to be doing, but just the pace of what they showed was like, it felt like you were like watching the movie and playing the movie, but like in the best possible sense, like, just the cinematic direction, the camera angles, what Spider-Man was doing, like it was it was badass, like it looked so good. Um so we got a comment from a friend of the show Nightdreamer. Uh and he says, "Yeah, it does look sick, but I'm worried about the QTEs have also been let down by promising Spider-Games before like Shattered Dimensions, for example." Um I get that. I get the concern. I know that Spider-Man doesn't have the best history, but if the rest of the game delivers the same kind of cinematic thrill that this section did, that'll be good enough. Like I don't need straight up like hours of just pure gameplay. Like I want like a really exciting experience, especially for something like this. So if they're able to like keep me on the edge of my seat and watch Spider-Man doing all these really fucking cool things and jumping all around and a little bit of combat in there, and then it goes back to being super cinematic, like I would be okay with that. Like I'm fine with that as a type of game. Like, I don't need it to give me hours and hours of just, like, you know, open world, fetch questy bunch of quest gameplay. Like, it's, it's, if it, if it's exciting as what we saw today, that would be fine. I mean, are you okay with that, Corey? Are you okay with cinematic gaming?
1: Yeah, I am okay with that. I mean, it seems like a game that I would be into, even though I'm not, like, super into superhero stuff, but I, uh, it looks fun. It looks like, it looks like I mean, I guess fun is the right word. It just like looks like a fun, thrilling experience, which is like it's kind of like the Spider-Man Homecoming movie that's coming out. Like it seems like refreshing and lighthearted and fun and interesting. So I feel like that uh, it looks good. Yeah, totally. This is exactly the kind of game
0: where I would like I would play it like I would play it through once. I would be like totally excited the entire time. And then once you're done, you're done. You don't want to go back and play it again. I don't need infinite quests or anything. Like it just gives you that thrill ride experience, and then that's that's it. That's okay. That, that's all I need out of that. So hopefully they will deliver. It looks really really promising. So fingers crossed. Uh, Insomniac has some real chops. If anybody can do it, they can. So let's let's hope. And this brings us to the last conference, the big one in in some uh, view, Nintendo. The big N, Nintendo. Always a bit of a wild card. I don't know about you, Corey, but I feel like they played it really safe this year, although there were a few surprises. Let me run down the list really quickly and then we shall chat about uh, Nintendo and then we will be in the home stretch of this episode. Um, Nintendo announced Xenoblade Chronicles 2. They announced Kirby. They announced Pokken Tournament, which is like Pokemon fighting game, which is like Pokemon plus Tekken Pokken. They announced a Pokemon game would be coming, which I think is going to be called Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, or I don't know if that was confirmed or not. Uh, They announced that Metroid Prime 4 is a thing. They just showed a logo, a title screen, nothing else. They announced a Yoshi game. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being called like Yoshi Flipside or something, because it seemed like the levels went back and forth. They announced Fire Emblem Warriors, which is a Dynasty Warrior game with the Fire Emblem characters. They made mention of that stupid, stupid Skyrim Link DLC. (laughs) Uh, They announced the Zelda Breath of the Wild DLC, which was Trial of the Sword, the Hero's Path, some new armor and a master mode. They announced Breath of the Wild Amiibos. They covered the Mario Rabbids game again. Uh, Rocket League is apparently coming and they closed out the conference with Super Mario Odyssey, which is really what I think everybody was there to
1: check out. Corey, what if any of these caught your attention? Well, the one, and I've got to be honest, I actually didn't watch the Nintendo conference because I was running like mad errands all day today. And that conference uh, at the time recording the conference was actually this morning. Um, So I was like scanning Twitter and I looked up a couple of trailers online. Um, because I just had other shit going on today. And plus, like, I, I don't have a Nintendo Switch. I, I mean, Brad and I have said on the show a million times, like, we're not super huge Nintendo fans. Um, I don't have a Switch. I don't really have a plan to buy one anytime in the near future. So, um, so you know, a lot of this stuff is kind of lost on me at the moment. Um, although I do have to say... Um, I was out running errands today, and I went into a Target on the southeast side of town, which is like the farthest Target away from from my house because I just happened to be on that side of town, and I walked by their electronics department, and they had a single Nintendo Switch in stock in their Nintendo display case, and I turned around and walked away from it and did not buy it, which is probably going to make some people mad cuz I feel like switches are still in really high demand and the fact that I saw it and did not even really care and just walked off um I feel a little bit bad but I mean it is what it is uh, but the interesting thing is out of this conference the one thing that is not on this list of games uh that I'm interested in the most is actually uh Metroid Samus Returns which is a 3DS side scrolling Metroid that I believe is being developed by the people that did the Castlevania on the 3DS which had pretty mixed reviews. I saw some people in my Twitter feed being like, "Oh, I'm interested, but these people are developing it so it might be bad." And then other people are like, "Well, maybe they will have, you know, tuned their shit by now or something like that." Um, I'm interested in it because uh I actually Patrick has a 3DS. He has a 3DS XL and never ever ever plays it. I've only played like one game on it, but um A, I actually have the system, so I can play it, and B, I can just like rent it if I want or something whenever it comes out. So I'm interested in that. Um I am tentatively interested in Metroid Prime 4. Uh I feel like it was pretty big fan service to just like give them a logo and that's it. I mean the, it was literally just like the logo and then it says Metroid Prime 4 is currently in development. So it's like, you know, if they didn't have a scrap of anything to show for the game that means it's probably still like years away at this point but uh, I mean I like Metroid Prime enough to be interested in that maybe I'll have a switch by the time Metroid Prime 4 comes out um not really interested in anything else uh I, I I'm not into Xenoblade never played them not into Fire Emblem never played them um I you know didn't play Breath of the Wild even though I have it for Wii U so you know not interested in the DLC. Um, I watched a trailer for Mario Odyssey and I was actually thinking about it today after watching the trailer and literally the last Mario game I played was Super Mario sixty four. So wow, really? Yeah, like it's been a long, long, long time since I played a Mario game and. I mean, I'm sure that Mario games are great, but I'm just not interested in playing them anymore, as evidenced by the fact that I haven't played a Mario game since Super Mario 64. So, I mean, yeah, like, uh, I mean, I'm just not that into Nintendo. I've said it, you know, 60 times on the show before. Um, I don't have a Switch, so obviously a lot of these games are not going to be for me. I can't even play them. Um, but I mean, that's it. Like, I'm happy for people. It seems like a lot of people were really excited about this conference today. I know a lot of people really wanted the announcement of another Metroid. And like, after years, you know, they finally heard that there's not just one, but two Metroid games coming out soon. You know, one of which is a classic side-scroller and one of which is a Prime Universe game, which are pretty popular. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't feel super strong about this. Uh, Brad, what did you think?
0: Um... Yeah, I was not really on fire. I mean, you know, as we've said before many times, we're not uh, huge Nintendo fans. And I saw a lot of people saying they felt like Nintendo, you know, quote unquote, won the show. And I was like, really? Like, really? That's kind of weird to me. Um, I don't I mean, I don't I don't think we need to pick like a winner of the show or anything like that here on on our show. But I just I found it really strange that some people felt like Nintendo brought enough uh, to kind of like even be considered as in the lead. Um never played the first Xenoblade Chronicles. I own it, but I haven't played it and watching the video I was like, "Oh god, it looks so like anime." Like, nothing against anime, but I've just really fallen away from it lately and just like I just I'm not into JRPGs, I'm not into anime-looking JRPGs. It didn't look like anything that was going to be really interesting for me. I'm probably going to skip that one. Not big into Pokemon, that didn't do much for me. Uh I liked the original Metroid Prime, did not like Metroid Prime 2. Uh, I thought Metroid Prime Three was way too fucking long, and it just was more of the same. Uh, I'm not really super excited for another Metroid Prime. Um, I'm just not. Like, I like Samus, I like Metroid, but sorry, I just feel like this is going to be more of what I'm already tired of. You know. Uh, what what else do we What else is here? Um, I kind of uh, feel kind of guilty for saying this, but I kind of want to get one of the Breath of the Wild amiibos because. Uh, you haven't played it, but I think the Gerudo chicks are fucking hot. So maybe that's just me. I want a little Gerudo chick statue on my desk. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, I know. Don't spread that around. Um, and other than that, Super Mario Odyssey. Like, I'm, you know, I like Mario. I like Mario just fine. Um, it looked fine. It looked like another Mario game. I mean, the, the hook this time is hats. The hats are alive, and the hats let him transform into other things. So I think the hook is going to be apparently put your hat on something and you can become that thing. So maybe there'll be a lot more experimentation with characters. Like, you know, you can be a frog, you can be a dinosaur, you can be a car, you can be whatever you can throw your hat onto. So that, that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to buy it, but you know, I'm not really like psyched or anything. I'm not like, you know, champing at the bit to go play it. Uh, and also I think, I don't know why I left this off. I must have left this off, but Arms is the other one that they had talked about. I must have made a mistake. I apologize, people. Uh, But Arms was the other one that they had announced. That one looks pretty interesting, uh, where you play people who have these really stretchy arms, and it's almost like punch out, but your arms are kind of springy. You run around. There was a big uh, beta for it recently. I did not play the beta because I don't have a Switch yet, but it looks good. It looks interesting, something that I would like to to play. So I am actually planning on getting a Switch. I don't know if I'm going to get one this year, but I am on track. I'm starting to put aside a couple bucks. Uh, I'm looking at it, but there just isn't a lot that I want to get right now. I don't know what the download situation is like, but in terms of like games available, um, I'll probably get Super Mario Odyssey, probably get ARMS. Uh, That's kind of it right now. I mean, I, I played Zelda on my Wii U and I don't really know of anything else that's coming out that I'm really psyched about. So two games is not really enough to buy a system. I may let it just uh, slide until the new year, but uh, I will I will get one eventually. Uh, but otherwise, eh, not really a lot to talk about. Not really a lot that I'm excited about. Um, you know, Nintendo. Hey, Nintendo. So that's kind of a rundown of all the press conferences. Corey, um, what did you think of the presentations overall? Any just general thoughts about this year's E3, the press conferences, what they showed, the tone, anything, just any just general, general thoughts?
1: Uh, I mean, the whole thing seemed kind of underwhelming to me. I mean, really reinforcing the idea that I'm not really interested in going to E3 in person, um, you know, unless it's for, like, an actual job or for some kind of, you know, paid thing. Um, I mean, the theme this year to me pretty much seemed like, um, either a lot of sequels or a lot of DLCs or, like, reboots or stuff like that for games that I'm just not really interested in at all, um... Either that or it's just gonna be like more of the same, you know, for better or for worse for stuff you know, for stuff that I like. Um, because like, you know, one thing we didn't mention on the show, but like what the biggest uh pun intended uh, pun intended uh Sony reveal was that they're remaking Shadow of the Colossus. And um I mean, I I didn't finish the first Shadow of the Colossus. I didn't like it. Um I thought it was boring and repetitive. Uh, I know people are gonna come for me with pitchforks after I said that, but you know, I'm just not interested in that. Um, Like just most of the sequels, uh, like I don't care about any Skyrim DLC or porting stuff. Um, You know, I don't know. It's just like a lot of really uh, underwhelming stuff, I guess. And it also seems like this was the year of people just kind of trying to like eat each other's lunch. Like, you know, Anthem comes out and it's like, Oh hey, I see Destiny over there. Um, you know, let me try to get it on that, and then like, you know, see if Thieves has been in development forever with Microsoft, and then Skull and Bones comes out from Ubisoft, and they're like, oh, we see that you're making a uh, a uh, you know a ship combat game. Well, how about we make this one, and then we'll compete. And uh, there was just like a little bit of that going on, um, like the uh, the space combat game from. From Ubisoft kind of seemed like Skylanders, but it also seemed a little bit like, kind of like a No Man's Sky kind of thing a little bit. And um, I don't know, I'm just not like, super jazzed about anything. And I hate to be like, you know, that guy that just doesn't really have a lot of really positive things to say about the show. But it's just interesting to me whenever I'm scanning Twitter, uh, you know, during E3, and this happens every year where, like, everything that's announced, people are just, like, absolutely, like, losing their minds over and, like, losing their shit and getting really excited, and and I don't know if it's just part of, like, being there or whatever, but I'm just, like, sitting on my couch, and I'm like, okay, like, this is just a sequel to something, you know, that we had two years ago, or I'm just not really interested in this game at all, and I always feel, like, such a jerk-off, you know, because I want people to be excited about the stuff they're excited about, but it just seems like a lot of it's really over the top and I don't know, I just feel like this show was not like nothing, nothing that was revealed that I didn't know about before, like really caught me off guard this year and really excited me. And even the stuff that did excite me is like, I kind of like already know what I'm going to be in for. Uh, you know, it's not like, a game you know a, a, you know, a game that comes that was revealed that I'm like, oh well, this is something completely new that I have, you know I, I'm really psyched about it. It's just like, all right, it's a game that's going to be like a lot of these other games I've played, and it'll probably be good, but you know it's probably not going to be like groundbreaking or anything. Um, I don't know, I hate to be a Debbie downer, but that's just kind of how I felt about this show.
0: yeah, um I hear that, I hear that I think uh, I think people played it safe in large part. Uh, I mean, there were definitely some, some things that I did not expect to be at the show, but nothing like huge. I mean, I think, like you said, a lot of sequels, a lot of games that seemed very solid. Like, I think that's kind of my takeaway personally was like, it seemed like a lot of really good things. Nothing that seemed like, oh my God, my mind is blown. Or this is like, oh, what, what an incredible new thing. But a lot of stuff that's probably going to be fun to play. A lot of stuff that we're probably going to enjoy. Um, maybe that we're not going to remember six months after we played it, but it seemed like a lot of pretty solid stuff. Um, interesting that there was no VR at Microsoft's uh, presentation and more VR than people thought Sony was going to show. I know everybody was expecting them to kind of already have abandoned um, their Sony VR headset, but it seemed like they were, you know, they were showing some stuff. I mean, I, not very much of it seemed very inspiring, but they, at least they were, you know, still supporting it, which is, you know, more than some people thought. Uh, But I think overall, despite the quality of the games, which I think is is arguable, uh, the thing that I really noticed most was that most of these conferences uh, seemed very focused on the games this year. Like, uh, I was impressed with how often they simply got to the trailers, showed the game, got to the gameplay. Um, Not as much just jargon, not as much talk, not as much, you know, corporate PR boasting um a little bit you I mean there's always going to be a little bit but i i really felt like the lions share of the time on stage was given to the games which was great i mean i just i really just want to see the games i'm not really there to hear reggie talk i'm not really there to hear whoever that guy from sony was like he looked like some kind of like weird like boozy playboy or something i'm like i don't even know who you are dude you look like a tool um anyway so i'm glad that they got to the games um but we'll see i mean you know like we said at the top of the show there's a lot of games that are on the show floor, which were not included in these presentations, which we haven't heard about yet. I'm hoping to get a lot of scoops tomorrow. We'll figure out what's there that we haven't seen. We'll figure out what's being announced. There's going to be a ton of stuff that we haven't heard about. So there's, there's still more to come, more to come. Um, so we'll just see what happens. Um, We are almost at the end of the show, uh, and when we do get to the end, we're going to name a few things that we are looking forward to and what we want to see more of. But first, we did get a couple
1: of comments and thoughts um, from listeners. You want to buzz through these real quick, uh, Corey? Sure, let's do that. Um, Our first one comes from, uh, on Twitter, username CheapBossAttack, which is a pretty funny username. Uh, He says, I was confused on why Microsoft would end on a cross-platform title, that's uh, well over a year from releasing. He's talking about Anthem. Uh, otherwise, very safe E3 all around.
0: Uh, Twitter user ER underscore no TR. It's, ER, uh, it?
1: it's this is Earl. He runs a site called Nerds on the Rocks, which is the N-O-T-R.
0: Oh, OK. I was like, is this Is he's trying to say it's not R? Like I'm trying <laughs> to get a word
1: out of it. And OK,
0: not. a. OK, no. So it's er underscore notr he says well excited by anthem spider-man mario xenoblade thinks the surprise of the show was mario Rabbids. Rabbids looking good also wants to make more of a general point and he thinks that companies should realize e3 press briefings aren't mandatory um i didn't follow up with him about that and i'm a little bit curious about that i wonder if he feels like some of these press conferences just didn't bring enough to bear any thoughts on that Corey?
1: Uh, Well, the thing that I think is interesting about the press conferences this year is, um, you know, like you said earlier, um, you know, they were, for the most part, really games-focused. I mean, Microsoft announcing the, like, formally announcing the uh, Xbox One X was probably the biggest bit of, like, we're going to stand around and talk about, like, you know, teraflop bullshit and this stuff. But other than that, I mean, like, Sony's press conference was pretty much just, like, one trailer after another, like, for the most part. But I think the thing that's hilarious is that, like, if companies have press conferences where people talk a lot I see people bitching about it and then when companies have press conferences where it's just like mostly game trailers I see people bitching about it and it's like okay like which one does everybody want do they want to stand around and listen to people like talk about PR bullshit for an hour or do they want to actually see the games because I actually want to see the games like I couldn't give a shit less about what what somebody's saying on stage is talking about with a video game uh because odds are what they're describing on that stage is not going to be what actually ends up shipping you know three years from now but uh, i don't know i just think it's interesting that you know it's it's very true you know with video gamers and the stupid video game audience that you can't please us no matter what you do but uh that's kind of what i thought about that comment very true. Very true.
0: What's the uh, the next comment we got there, Corey? Uh
1: this is from Thief of Hearts, uh, the good, uh, Spider Man can't wait for the last night, um, which he loved the game jam project of. And Cuphead is finally coming and Detroit, because he's a moron. <laughs> ha. Thief of Hearts is actually a really cool guy, a really good friend. He gave us a bunch of different
0: uh comments. I had to them down for space, but Yeah, he uh, he had a lot of uh, comments and thank you very much thief for contributing. He's a really cool guy. Uh, Love the thief. Uh, Next comment comes from at Drew Brew 82. Drew Roland. He says, loved the Days Gone gameplay trailer. Finally, somebody besides me who thought that trailer looked good. (laughs) Love the Days Gone gameplay trailer and may have to jump on the switch train for Mario plus Rabbids XCOM game. Ah, dude. I loved you at the beginning of that comment. I'm kind of questioning you at the end of that comment, but okay. Oh dear. You're a good guy. Out of all the You're things
1: good. to buy a switch for, that's what's, that's what sells him on it. I guess, but Drew's a good guy. We'll have to see how this goes. <laughs> oh, what's the, what's the, uh, the last one we got there, Corey? Uh, next one is from a good friend of the show, Louis Pietro. uh, phase of the show, a way out and Wolfenstein two looking forward to more, uh, Metro and evil within. Oh, we didn't even talk about Metro on the show. Um, and wanting to see more of Beyond Good and Evil.
0: All right. Thanks again to everybody who sent in uh, those comments. Really appreciate it very much. Uh, and now, uh, boy, we've been recording for a while. Uh, let's, let's, let's start to <laughs> close out the show because it's getting really late and uh, I don't want to be recording when I have to go to work. So uh, let's give a really quick call out or mention the things that were not featured that we want to see more of or anything else we've seen so far that we haven't already discussed. Um, Corey, what are your picks?
1: Um, okay. I'm going to talk about just a few things that, um, actually just two things that I wanted, that I was surprised wasn't at the show or that I wanted to see what, uh, but didn't see at the show. Um, the first thing honestly is Splinter Cell. Like where, like where is Ubisoft? They need to give us another Splinter Cell. I know that Blacklist must not have sold that well or else they... You know, if Blacklist had sold well, they'd be jamming a new one down our throats every year, like Assassin's Creed. But like, Splinter Cell is kind of like Metroid, where it's like that game every year that people are like, all right, are you gonna say the next one? When's the next one coming? Are you gonna show the next one? And what pisses me off even more is that Ubisoft put uh snippets of Splinter Cell cutscenes in their pre-E3 like YouTube trailer that they released like sometime like earlier last week or something. And then didn't even show anything related to Splinter Cell in the show. Um, So hopefully, fingers crossed, they will eventually put out something else. Because obviously, if they put it in the trailer, that shows that it's not completely off their minds. But, I mean, come on. Like, I love Splinter Cell. And I would really like like another one. But uh, the other thing that I didn't see that I'm actually really shocked, uh, didn't really have a presence at the show, was the Microsoft HoloLens, which is their, like... AR thing that they're making, um, it really shocked me that they didn't talk about it during the um, during the Xbox One X thing because I feel like, you know, we're at the point in these consoles where everybody kind of has their own thing like switch has you know the portability it has the interesting controls um you know the you know the take and play anywhere kind of thing or play it on your tv which can offer gameplay experiences that you can't get on xbox one on ps4 ps4 obviously has psvr which you know is the only home console that has vr right now and vr is not you know the end-all be-all of gaming or whatever but it's still like the one thing where you PlayStation can have its VR experiences that Microsoft can't have. And I feel like Microsoft, all they have is games, and they don't even have that many games. I mean, half the shit at the Microsoft conference wasn't even Microsoft exclusive. Um, And uh, and I feel like the HoloLens, I mean, it's going to be coming out at some point, but I feel like this would have been a really great time to capitalize on it and be like, all right, here is this $500 console, but here is the HoloLens, which is like really going to... Show you, you know, the gameplay experiences you can't get anywhere else, and what'll really like make you want the system, and what all this power will be for. And it just surprised me that there was no real mention of it. Um, what do you think about that, Brad? Um, I gotta say, I'm not too surprised. Uh, I think that the
0: use case for the HoloLens has not really been proven. Um, I was hearing people a while ago say that they think it's not really going to be for games. It's going to be maybe for some other applications like, you know, non games related, perhaps medical or perhaps, uh, you know, architecture or something like that. Um, I think also, I think Microsoft is right to be gun shy after the giant, um, you know, flame out of the connect. I mean, I probably <laughs> see Hololens as connect part two. Um, so here's this giant, uh, expensive new console and Hey, here's another fucking gimmick that we're going to put out. You know, I mean, whether the Kinect the, the actually had legitimate functionality is, is up for debate. I think not really, and clearly other people thought so too. Um, but, you know, I can understand why they wouldn't want to do something like that again, because that was it must have been incredibly embarrassing for them as a corporation. They lo- I'm sure they lost a ton of money, because I actually went to the R&D uh, areas where they were building um, the Kinect, and I saw like how much money they were spending on getting that thing off the ground. People have no idea how much Microsoft invested in that thing. It is like, it is absurd. I don't even know the exact number, but like when I went to that facility and saw it with my own eyes, I was like, oh my God, like these guys are balls deep in this thing and it did not go anywhere. So I'm not surprised that they're putting that thing aside. They just want to focus on the core business of games, getting gamers back on board after pissing a lot of people off with (laughs) Xbox One. Um, I think they have a lot to to make up for. And I think that if they're serious about it, they're going to just focus on what they need to get right. And right now that's just games. So I'm not surprised uh, that HoloLens did not make uh, an appearance. Um, as far as my picks go, I, I want to see something about 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which is coming out for the Vita and possibly PS4. This is the new game from Vanillaware. It looks like it's about people and giant robots. And that's basically all I know about it. But that's all I really need to know. Vanillaware <laughs> and giant robots. That sounds amazing. Um, I saw a trailer, which was really cool. I didn't see this game mentioned anywhere, but it's called beat the game. It's about a really kind of trippy space, maybe point and click, I guess, or maybe like a rhythm game. It looks like a blending where you're like this guy and you're meeting all these kinds of aliens, but like you communicate through music and you have to build like your DJ turntable station. And then that kind of like facilitates even more communication, but it's really trippy and, and just weird. Uh, it looked really, really interesting. Very, very cool. Um, I saw a game called Hidden Agenda, which was actually suggested to me by uh, Cool Dude Thief of Hearts. Uh, this is the next game from Supermassive, the people who did Until Dawn. And this is more of like a police tracking down a serial killer kind of game, but it's a group thing. Um, they said that they saw so many people streaming Until Dawn and then like getting groups to participate that they wanted to make a game that really capitalized on that. So this is launching a new functionality for PS4 called Play Link. Um, It's going to be a new piece of software that will launch for the PS4. uh, I believe it's only software. And if you just uh, connect that up to your phone, because everybody's got a phone these days, you can play through your phone. So like you'll watch something on TV, a police officer going after a killer, and then all of a sudden some choices flash on the screen. And then everybody in the playing audience is on their phone and they will pick what they want to do. So, you know, I guess you don't need a controller. I guess you just need a phone to play this. Looks interesting. Um, I don't know how much game is going to be in there or how replayable it'll be, but it looks interesting. I thought Until Dawn uh, was was pretty good and I would be down for more of that. And I had a lot of fun playing it with my wife in exactly the way that you would play Hit Agenda. Like she was sitting beside me. We would make decisions together uh, and it was fun. It was a good time. So um, I'm interested in hearing more uh, about that. I also, one thing that was notably absent is Below, which is from Capybara Games or Cappy Games. Um, this was one of the games that I actually bought my Xbox One for. Uh, and I, it was this, and it was also um, the one that came from Sweary 65, which I totally can't remember what it's called right now. Anyway, um, the Sweary game ended up being junky, and Below never came out. So I guess I bought my Xbox One for nothing. <laughs> Um, it looked, I've played it. I've played a beta of it and it seemed to be coming along just fine. And that was years ago. I don't know what happened to it. And usually Cappy is pretty good about turning their games out. I've tweeted, um, Nathan Vela, who is like the head of that studio. I've met him several times. He's a really nice guy. I'm like, Hey, Nathan, what the fuck? Where the fuck is below? Like what happened to it? <laughs> he never answers. So I don't know if he just like, doesn't want to say, or is, I don't know. Am I persona non grata? I don't know. But below was a really cool Uh, procedural roguelike where you're kind of dungeon diving. And every time you died, you like reincarnated as a different person. It just looks really, really cool. Just look like a very neat procedural kind of uh, roguelike that I was really into. Um, And like I said, I liked it enough that I actually bought the Xbox One as, you know, for to play this game and uh, it never came out and I didn't hear anything about it. So hopefully they will announce something. Uh, Final pick. Shout out to Jeffrey Wilson on Twitter for reminding me about Metal Gear Survive. Now, this is something I'm very interested in because um, I like the mechanics and the ideas uh, of Metal Gear, especially the most recent Metal Gear. But I'm sorry. I just don't like the story. I don't like how that game developed. Um, I didn't play very much of it, but I listened to a lot of it and I talked to a lot of people about it. And I, you know, I just... I think that the concepts were valid, and with Kojima not being involved anymore, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how a Metal Gear game is developed by people who I'm guessing really like Metal Gear, but who are not Kojima. Uh, I know fans have their knives out for this. They already are kind of trying to tear it down, and they think any any Metal Gear that doesn't have Kojima attached is, is going to be terrible, but I don't know. You know, Konami let that guy go for a reason. I think that his work is not really as great as people say it is. I think he has created some masterpieces, but not everything he does is perfect. I think he's a very flawed creator at times, especially when he's not under close supervision. Uh, And I think that sometimes when you turn a property over to somebody who is a true fan, you actually end up with something amazing. Um, Somebody who really loves an IP can do something great that the original creator perhaps cannot do uh, because they just see it in a certain way. They have a certain love and a certain respect for it. So... I think a Metal Gear game with Kojima's Madness not in it and, you know, maybe just a a more standard story and something focusing more on the gameplay itself would be tremendous. Uh, I've been hearing uh, Jeffrey Wilson said that the person he talked to really liked it a lot, which sounds promising to me. And I'm very curious, very curious to see how this turns out. So that's my last pick of this episode. And holy smokes! What a show. What a show. A little bit of a spoiler. We were kind of concerned we wouldn't have anything to talk about on the show. And lo and behold, it's probably our fucking (laughs) longest episode ever. What a surprise. Um, So let's let's cash it in. We talked a lot tonight, but we are now at the end of tonight's chat and the end of this episode. Before we go, thank you very, very much to everyone who listened to all of our ranting, especially if you listened all the way to the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And also, we would like to remind you that you can send your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, and anything else to us here at the So Video Games Podcast. It's So Video Games at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter as a show, at So Video Games. You can also reach us individually. Corey, where can they find you on Twitter?
1: You can find me. Uh, my username is first and last name, Corey Motley, C O R E Y M O T L E Y. And also, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I. I have been stuck in a rut, you know, where I don't really get a whole lot of new followers, which is fine, because I'm not one of those people who, like, you know, needs to have, like, 10,000 followers to feel important in his life. Like, that's not what I'm about. But if you listen to the podcast and you decide to hop over to my Twitter account and follow me, um, please just, like, say hello or something, because every once in a while I get a new follower, and these days it's really hard to, like, Tell who's following me that's, like, genuine and who's following me that's just, like, a bot or some kind of, like, um, you know, account that's following, like, 30,000 people and has, like, 30,000 followers and stuff like that. So if you decide that I am worthy of your follow on Twitter, uh, just pop in and be like, hey, Corey, I listened to your show, and I decided to give you a follow, and that would be great because... 99% 99% of the time, I'm probably going to follow you back because um, I generally don't follow people back that follow me if I if they just come out of nowhere and I don't know who they are, um, which sounds kind of rude, I guess. But uh, I mean, usually I just don't know who the people are. But if you're listening to the show and you follow me, just uh, let me know and I will probably follow you back and maybe we can tweet about video games all the time. Um, sorry, that was a, a little long rant, Brad, but that's I just thought about that a minute ago. Oh uh, well, you know we're already at three hours. I mean, a couple more minutes isn't gonna matter. So,
0: <laughs> my Twitter handle is my name at Brad Galloway, B R A D G A L L A W A Y, and I try to be as responsive as possible. Um, if you want to give me a shout, that's totally great. If you don't, that's okay too. Um, but yeah, I I like to interact with people. I love to talk with people on Twitter. I'm very I'd like to think I'm very approachable. So please give me a shout and we'll chat a little bit. And with that. I believe that brings us to the end of an epic, truly, truly epic So Video Games podcast. And it also brings us, uh, for our purposes anyway, to basically the end of another E3. Um, We will see you next week with our regular format. We may talk E3, we may not. But in the meantime, let's get back to real life and get back to So Video Games. For now, this is Bye from Brad. And bye
1: from Corey. We will see you guys next week.